Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Important focus. A lot of important information coming out of what's happening in Ukraine. And unfortunately, I'm going to get to the COVID stuff in a later show, most likely tomorrow. I promise I will get to it. That topic is not going to, to slip my view. There's so many things involved in the, that have been happening. For instance, you probably already saw that now the fourth shot's coming. Shocking. I know exactly like we predicted it was, and it was censored beforehand. The reason that I decided, yet the last show and today, I was going to try to do one yesterday as well, to focus specifically on the, the Ukraine part of this, the more you go through the, res- the coverage around the COVID topics today, nine things out of 10 that I was going to discuss were simply, we talked about this before. We told you this before. Now they're admitting we were right. And that's hugely important that they're admitting it, that we were correct, that you were correct. But I realized, okay, so what's the most important thing here, right? Whether one will get more coverage or more views than the other is not really my point. It's about what I find to be the most relevant currently happening. And I find both of them to be that way. COVID-19, Ukraine, and in fact, as, as the more you watch this show and plenty of others on this topic, you begin to see that there's more overlap, overlap between these topics than they want you to realize. But today, the real big discussions I'm having are focused on Ukraine and how they're, caught, they're lying and how this brings back very important overlap, over comparison is a better word, between what they've been doing before all the way up until now. Iraq and Syria and Afghanistan and every other place you want to point to. And it's important to remember what we know about those locations and how we're apparently not using any of that logic today if you're stuck in the two-party paradigm and addressing, I stand with Ukraine in the conversation there, which, by the way, does not mean we shouldn't support the Ukrainian people or the Russian people or anybody else involved in these areas that are always taking the brunt of the governments and their agendas. But right now, what we will continue to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that you are being fed lies aggressively, primarily from one side of this, which in no way implies that the other side is not capable of and has been lying. But we need to understand, in almost any circumstance, there's usually a side that has a, a larger agenda, or rather the agenda being driven by one side or the other more so than the other. And this is just history. You can look throughout, you know, it doesn't mean there's not agendas within those, right? Now, I promise you, Russia, in this case, has all sorts of things that it's recognizing. I mean, there's all sorts of weird discussions coming up recently today that I find to be more distraction than anything about giving back certain parts from historical Alaska or whatever else. I find this to be political nonsense, to be quite honest. It's grabbing the two-party paradigm. But the point being, a lot of this stuff pops up from within it. So today we're going to go over yet again some important conversations about the lies within this, what you're actually seeing on the ground compared to what they're actually telling you. Information that I think proves based on their own their own research, their own data, if you want to call it that, their own forceful talking points that prove within that sphere of information. Like You have to understand that they're always saying this is the truth, here's our evidence, this is what's happening. Never really proving any of it. That's proof to them within their narrative, within their manipulation. So when I point to that and say, well, what you just said right there pretty much undeniably shows that the person you're pointing at, Renaud, in this case, was killed by people in the control that were under the control of that territory. By your evidence, that was Ukraine. So let's go into that today and show you what they continue to omit, that there's evidence that suggests, based on what they're reporting, that it's not possible that he was killed by Russian people, but they just say what they're supposed to say. In fact, we'll even show you the other journalist who's on the table saying what they report. What you'll notice is a glaring omission of one term, the Russians. He says they shot us. 
Didn't say who. Now, we, I can go into it more. Now, whether or not he comes around the story later and says something different, what I'm going to prove to you today is that what they're reporting seems to pretty soundly show that he wasn't killed by people that were, that it was killed by the people that were in control of that area. And that's the best way to say it. So we're going to go through today and as always, let you make your own decisions about what's being stated. At the very least, they're lying about one thing or the other, right? They're either in control of it or they're not, or he was shot by them or they're not. They're, both of those things don't happen simultaneously, as well as the other discussions and the other journalists we're going to talk about who are being uh, the, the, the Fox journalist that recently was killed and the other person on top of all this. There's a lot going on here. Now, on top of that, we have weapons being shipped that are being covered, disguised as humanitarian aid, which, as we know, is something the U.S. government does as a matter of policy. They were flagrantly caught in Venezuela trying to bring in fake humanitarian aid so that it could be attacked so that they could blame Maduro. This was a false flag. They got caught in real time. Remember, it was full of barbed wire and wood, and they were on video throwing Molotov cocktails, on video making them as people on Guaido's side, and they just ran from that narrative. The point is, this is what they do. And in fact, they try to frame the other side of doing what they regularly do. Does that mean Russia hasn't done that? No. Does that mean they're not capable of it? No. It simply means that in this case, it's obvious that there's evidence pointing in one direction. Painful that we have to go through this every time. And I know you guys are aware of this, but what we're always doing, as you know, is trying to reach the people that are unaware. Now, there's plenty more going on in this show. We're going to jump into it right now. There's a lot of important contradictions showing you that they're lying in, in, in regard to the false flags, people on the ground, what's actually happening to the Donbass region using their own information. It's pretty embarrassing, but that's how COVID was as well. Before we get into that, I wanted to make a quick point about YouTube. Which, by the way, who cares about YouTube, right? <laughs> Hashtag boycott YouTube. But the point is that it's very obvious that this, the level and the, the, the leash on which they're allowed to censor is getting longer and longer and more ridiculous and more ridiculous. I mean, just from my personal side of it, as I know a lot of you are beginning to see, we're seeing a lot of these weird technocratic kind of manipulations happening. Just so you are aware on the back end, it gets absurd. This is one of the things I saw, which is the first time I've seen it. Lucky, luckily for me and those that are involved with the T-Lab pirate streams, most of them give me their phone number. So I just call them directly and say, hey, they're putting in their 47th security check all of a sudden. They're well aware of what we're doing with these channels and they don't like it. Otherwise, this wouldn't be happening. The point is what we're proving to you is that their censorship is meaningless if you don't draw within their ridiculously false lines. Right. They're giving you an outline of you got to play within this sandbox. And if you step outside that box, well, suddenly their censorship is meaningless. They know that. They want me to step back in and play their game. I'm not. As long as you guys continue allowing us to use your channels or however else we're going to do this, whether Twitter, by the way, Facebook's the same thing. Somebody wants to send me their Facebook. I'll start making Facebook pirate channels. They need us to play their game. Otherwise, it's sort of like sanctions in the U.S. dollar. China and Russia a long time ago realized that if we stop, if we insulate ourselves more and more from the U.S. dollar, their sanctions don't really hurt us. And they know that now. That's a part of the point. So they're trying to, I could go off on that point forever, but this back to this, to continue your session, complete a brief verification. This happened after we'd already confirmed it, after we've already set up the stream and after we'd already begun the stream. That's why that happened. They're trying to trip you up in hopes that I don't have somebody else to call or another channel I could have used, both of which I did have. The point is, this is going to continue. They're going to continue to stop you. One of the things I just laughed about before we got started, there's all sorts of weird finicky things they break their own platform to do. Every time I go live, for instance, not allowing me to use certain features of their, of their channel, just circles or changing what I enter or not allowing my image to show until I put it in three times in a row, every single time without fail, three times in a row, every time. 
and that's after you start it. Or as you guys likely see, so for some reason, every time I start a stream these days on YouTube, it, sh it shows that I'm an hour and a half away from going live. Why? Because no matter what I put in, it puts it out an extra hour every single time. And no, it's not a time zone issue. My point is this stuff is done to trip me up or whoever does it. You can dis you can believe me or not. I don't ask you to believe me. Just hear what I'm saying and understand that that's what is happening as we go forward, whether or not that you believe YouTube is doing this to me. It's happening all over the place. Now, on another note, in regard to just clown world that we're in, I put this out today and I just want people to see this. I mean, I was, I'm actually alarmed at how ridiculous this image was. And by the way, just so you're aware, this is our image. We took this ourselves, right? It says, good morning, nothing to see here. Just your typical clown world morning. For those in the podcast, please take a moment to jump on to a computer or a device somewhere, or you know, I don't know why I would ever ask someone to do that these days, but find a way to see this picture for those in the podcast, because you want to see this. This is unreal. I've never seen this. And what it appears to me to look like is as if you saw, well, what is that? What, it's like what was it? 16 streams in a row, like as if you saw 16 jets fly by in the exact same direction. That's not what happened. That's not what this was. This is an unbelievably long, continuous, in different moments in time, 16 different chemtrail lines being left. And no, it's not contrails because it's still there. Regardless of the point, guys, that's crazy. And also realize it's not even a secret anymore. They're openly doing geoengineering to fight climate change. They'll tell you that if you care to look at what they're writing and posting. There's people that still pretend chemtrails are fake news. Even though they admit they're literally doing them, they just don't call, they don't say chemtrail, they say geoengineer. Same thing. That is crazy. What's in that? What's happening? Right? We could go even to the extreme and talk about things like nanotechnology or anything else that could be happening. Smart dust that was at, capable of doing something like that almost almost 15 years ago. I mean, this is just wild to me. My point is just simply to recognize there's a lot going on. Just like when I talk about the space discussion, we have no idea. I don't even know why we pretend like we just trust that they're doing the right thing. It's just really, really naive. But this person said, this is, this is a thing. And I don't mean to call this person out. This is, a, some, this is something we're all guilty of. Now, I'm actively trying to fight against every day, as you all see, because this is what the party paradigm or really just the way that we live our lives today in this society does to us. He says, this is a thing, geoengineering, but that picture not looks fake is not real, they say. That picture is not real. Here's the reason. The inconsistency of the tree branches being forward back of the trails is not right. The picture below is Frank from Franklin is more like it. There's a picture from someone. Well, okay. This is Franklin. And this was our picture, right? Literally, this was taken standing right next to me. I was there, right? The point being, why can't, why do we have such false certainty today? Now, look, we all fall into this trap here and there. This person doesn't know. So he, I mean, couldn't you just be like, well, but maybe I'm wrong. And maybe I don't like, I, I can see the point about how that looks like they're kind of, it's just the way that images work, optical illusions. Who knows? I'm not a photographer. The point is I can verify 100% that I know that was a real picture. And I just said, I took it myself. <laughs> or rather, the person standing next to me, same point. I, then they come back in just to simply go like, oh, I'm not an expert. It just looks curious. Well, that would be the right way to say that, though. Not this is not real. Because other people would read that. And then because they do the same thing you do, they just take, oh, well, he's, he said it's not real. He must know not real. Now it's a dumb example because it's, who cares about the picture, but this is where we're at today in regard to everything, COVID and Ukraine, and everyone just chooses their narrative today. It's choose your own adventure as the world, as a life. <laughs> you remember those choose your own adventure books? Maybe I'm dating myself, right? This is choose your own adventure, life edition, right? We just pick what we want at and just lean into it. 
I just really need us to see that. And the problem is that those that hear me saying that and agree, you already know it. The problem is that most people that don't know that's happening don't want to admit that they're doing it. It's very, very obvious. Like my point from Russia and Ukraine as we go into it, anything coming from the U.S. side for those that choose it is taken at face value, even if they're reporting on what Ukraine told them and they're not doing they just tell you anything coming from even remotely a Russian source is absolute fake news without even a second's thought. Now, yes, that could be the truth, but it's amazing to me that we play this game. It really is. And I'm not, I mean, I'm amazed just because of how ridiculous it's gotten. Now, on the censorship note of this, I wanted people to see this as well. This is from our email server. Hallie Chef is one of my Gmails that I've had forever. Hallie being a white guy from Hawaii where I used to work. But the point being, look at what it says right here. The server response was this, after not allowing this email to go. It says, the message was blocked because its content presents a potential security issue. So just realize, guys, that this is being blocked from the, from our server, that our own server that we own, or rather, you know, through HostGator, but it's our own private server. Nobody else has access to it. Nobody else is on. We're not using anything else. And they've decided that that is potentially a security issue. Now, I've someone else told me this the other day. That could that might be people. This is me sending our emails to it, but other people get this when they're trying to contact things or send it. How about, I'm not even getting everything you guys are sending me anymore. They're blocking it. They're stopping it. Maybe they don't even tell you that. This is crazy. This is your technocratic future. They've decided amongst themselves that they know what's right, bad, good, up, down, left, right, whatever. They decide. You don't get to pick. And who's though? Who's they? Well, of course, your unelected, unelected technocratic what? Government? I don't even the right word for it. How do we not see that building right now? Do we realize who are laying down these concepts? The point is not to let go too far on it, guys. This is coming. I doubt, just like just like Corbett's been telling you long before it happened with him as well, this is going to get more intense. You're going to lose contact with me. I promise you that. Please, please, please take the time to go to The Last American Vagabond and subscribe. Which, by the way, that's going to eventually be stopped too. But find your ways to connect with us. Subscribe to the top right here, whether you're using the website. I got to get YouTube off of there. I forgot that's still on there. <laughs> and YouTube backup. Jeez, I haven't looked at that in a minute. But the podcast or whatever else, guys. The point is, find your connection with us. Reach out to me directly. Send me a letter in the mail because I have my PO box on there. Because we need to keep in contact because this is going to get more intense. And you're one day going to wake up and go, oh, I guess Ryan just stopped doing this. That's never going to happen. So if you suddenly realize where'd Ryan go, it's probably because they have found a way to stop you from seeing what we're doing. And there's a reason that's so important today. Lastly, just on another quick note before we jump into foreign policy points to lead into Ukraine, WikiLeaks says that Julian Assange was, has been denied his appeal. Because this is the world we are in now, the world we're in right now, right? That you don't, you, oh, you're, you're WikiLeaks, oh, you're Assange? Well, you don't get what anybody else gets, right? Nope, we're not going to give you the right to appeal. You don't get to. We've decided you're stuck, go to jail, potentially death. But that's just because we're, are you serious? You're not, on one of the most, in, I mean, this could potentially be a death sentence. Either way, we're talking about a high, high, high level of accusal, accusation, crime. And you're not going to let him appeal the ruling? I mean, guys, this is what an authoritarian government looks like. They don't believe in this process. The whole process was probably a sham. 
I mean, we watched it. It was a sham. The way that they stuck him in the cage, wouldn't let him listen, wouldn't let very normal things happen, did a special, put him in Belmarsh for the, to, to, from the very beginning. I mean, good God, if you don't think that this is wrong, you are lying to yourself. It doesn't matter whether you agree pol- politically one way or the other. This person exposed crimes. You know they were crimes. They admitted they were crimes. He didn't commit any crimes. He's in jail. He's about to be potentially put to death by the very government saying that they're fighting for your freedom. Just make sure you reconcile that absurd, absurd contradiction. But here we go. Denied. We'll see what happens. I mean, this is a horrific reality, guys. This guy is fighting for you. At the very least, that's what it has ended up representing for those that still want to pretend that he's a shill or whatever else. I'm long past thinking that. I mean, it's pretty obvious what's going on here, but I'm still open to the possibility as always. But I think I'm pretty, I have a good grasp of what's happening to this person and it's disgusting. Now, by the way, it's happening to a lot more than just Julian Assange all over the world and being spearheaded by the very same people fighting for your freedom, apparently. Don't forget about Yemen, though, as we're all up in in arms screaming about, I stand with Ukraine, which, by the way, when you say that, you mean I stand with the white supremacist government that's now bringing in ISIS terrorists from Syria to continue to subjugate people that don't want to be part of their country. This, you know, but that's much larger to fit in your little icon, right? Just put, I stand with Ukraine. Just recognize what you're saying when you say that, which doesn't have to mean anything about Russia. You can still hate Russia and think bad guy Russia, whatever you want. Just recognize that is what that means, regardless of your ridiculous two-party paradigm standing. But don't forget about Yemen, though, right? Because Yemen is exponentially worse than what you think is happening in Ukraine. And by the way, I say think because you're probably wrong about that. We all are probably wrong about that. Regardless, I promise you what's happening in Yemen has been and still is way, way, way worse. Now, I'm not even trying to compare that to what the Donbass people are going through. Just the the ongoing, never-ending starvation campaign and bombing campaign that's been happening to them in, in Yemen is horrific. But that doesn't matter, right? That's not enough to stand up and outrage about. Of course not. More than 10,200 children, and I promise you it's more than that. This is what we can prove. Killed or injured since the U.S.-U.K.-backed genocidal war on Yemen started in 2015, with the actual number thought to be much, much higher. Why no wall-to-wall media coverage, guys? What happens? Are their lives not important? And she also adds, remember Libya? You know, the place that they said they were liberating when they went in, destroyed it, killed people aggressively, allowed the terrorists to take over, and then open slaves were sold for a long period of time. And now it's in an open war zone where people are fighting with clans back and forth and half tar fighting for people. I mean, it, it's it's absurd. That, that's liberation, though. Don't forget that. Don't forget that the, the, the... Remember Libya, she says, when the claim NATO is a peaceful and purely defensive organization is laid out, which is what they're doing now. African Hub points out... The most airstrikes ever launched in Africa by NATO was more than 10,000 on Libya in 2011 with over 500,000 civilian casualties. You know, sort of like Iraq, but they totally think that's worth it. When NATO was questioned about civilian casualties and the death of Gaddafi children, they insisted that it was collateral damage and normal in wars. No big deal, right? It's only normal in wars when you're the one carrying it out and your propaganda campaign covers it as freedom. Right. Well, if, if it's normal for damage and collateral and all this stuff, then I guess you don't care about the journalists being killed in, in Ukraine and the civilians they claim Russia is killing and all these things they're claiming. Well, isn't that just collateral damage, normal in war? Apparently that line only works on one side of the narrative. We are childish if we pretend that one is making sense and the other isn't. I'm, I'm, I can't get past how immediately like the blood rushes to my face when I keep thinking about how willfully dishonest we're all being right now. Not we're all, but you know, people that I'm pointing at. You, you can't 
rec you can't reconcile these things. You can't pretend that your government is fighting for peace and freedom when you recognize what they do in reverse. You can't pretend that it's collateral damage in normal wars when you're pointing at Russia doing the same thing and saying terrible war crime, bad. They're all bad is the point, but you can't just cover one side of it. Now, also on top of that, recognize that most of what we're being screamed at about what's happening in Ukraine is at the be at most unverifiable, on at worst, completely fabricated. That doesn't mean they wouldn't do it or haven't done it. The point is that we need proof. Even evidence would do. Going forward, coming back off of her point again on Yemen, right? 10,200 children at a low estimate. But don't worry, here comes uh, President Zelensky saying 97 Ukrainian children have been killed since the start of Russian invasion. Now, it certainly could be true. And that's horrific. But why does one matter and not the other? Same point. 97 children. That's really sad. First of all, I'd love to see proof of that. You can see an endless, un a horrific stream of proof if you really want to by looking at simply UN documentation about Yemen. But who cares about all that proof and facts and evidence? All we care about is Zelensky saying something. We parrot that something and we scream truth, Russia bad guy. Now, again, it could be true. And it wouldn't surprise me, to be quite honest. Wars are horrific. That's why I don't like war from any side. That's why I fight against war from any side. Nonetheless, why does 97 children, an alleged 97 children, matter, which is parroted by every outlet you want to look at, Sky News being the one we're staring at right now, while the, U U the United Nations and plenty of other human rights organizations can continue and endlessly talk about Yemen for 10 years? Nothing. You know, and this, this topic makes you uncomfortable. It's because you're choosing not to think about it. And it's because you're recognizing there's an obvious contradiction why one would matter and not the other. The reality, though, is the ones that are uncomfortable, you're already here, which means you have some discernment. Unless you just tripped over your shoelaces and fell into the show and you're running away right now. The point is that mo people that already don't want to see this, they don't allow themselves to see it. They've made a choice. It's sad. Now, Richard Medhurst points out, by the way, and by the way, I, I, I kind of dropped a tweet on him the other day, and I, I don't know if he maybe didn't see it or not, but I don't know, maybe we just don't see eye to eye on something. Certainly possible. I really respect his work, and I would love if anybody who has his ear would let him know that I'd like to connect with him one way or the other. I just, it, it, like I said in the tweet, it's long since overdue. Like, I've been meaning to reach out to him, because he does. He, he does a great job. Very clearly calls this stuff out. Here, he point, my point saying that is I'd like to connect with him, so somebody out there, let me know if you've got his, his ear. He writes, Saudi Arabia executed 81 men yesterday. This is on the, on the 12th. And this has been reported by Western Press. Not that that makes it true. It did happen, though. 81 people, including several Yemenis and one Syrian. CNN, of course, won't feature any outrage about that particular barbarism because the Saudis are U.S. allies with shared values, whatever that means. And Biden wants their oil. Of course, don't forget the shared values that Lloyd Austin discussed about the Azov Battalion, or excuse me, the Ukrainian military, which is the same point our shared values with that openly white supremacist entity that's been that way since you put them in power. Totally the same thing. His point is that they don't talk about it the same way. And I agree. And I'll even show you a CNN discussion of that point. And you'll very clearly recognize the, I guess, different level of reporting where you can hear someone, some, they can hear secondhand about things that might've happened in Ukraine and they will freak out about what could have might happened in Ukraine. But over here, we know as a matter of fact, and you're going to just very moderately report it as if you're just stenography writing down 81 people died and this happened. Interesting how your emotion comes flying over the top when it's something you have a propagandized effort to manipulate. Here, by the way, is this infographic coming from Saudi Arabia. 
and their reasons for why they killed these people. Among others, it lists treason, simply causing a ruckus, chaos, adoption of misguided thought, and of course, deviant beliefs, because that's what freedom, that's what democracies do, right? You murder people for different belief systems. Let's not, let's be clear. This is 100% what happened. And it's, I'll point to the CNN article as well. Um, imagine for a moment you live in a world where it's totally okay for your allies to murder people because they believe something you disagree with in real time from a, 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 an official standpoint. And that's totally acceptable. But you can literally manufacture war. And look, by the way, we could talk about Syria if it makes you uncomfortable to recognize what's happening in Ukraine right now. And every other war they've manufactured, lied about, been caught lying about. But that's totally fine. Deviant beliefs. And we'll, they'll work with this person openly, work with them to murder people elsewhere. But you can have a thought floated about what Iran might be doing or what Russia could be doing or what their playbook usually is. And it's the endless nonstop stream of absolute chaos. Like they're going to murder the world. Our democracy's over. Biggest threat to our democracy. Have you ever heard that about Saudi Arabia? This should make you incensed. This should make you outraged. Because at the very least, it shows you that they only that they don't care about people's lives. They only care about how insofar as they can use them to serve their agenda. So they just go, well, we don't care about these people. We only care about the ones that they allegedly killed because that will be used against them. See how that works? This should really upset you. Here's CNN. Saudi Arabia executes 81 men one day. The biggest mass execution in decades. Chief ally of the United States. And don't forget, by the way. The entire concept of the Wahhabism, war on terror focus, ISIS, guys, comes from Wahhabism. That is the Saudi Arabian ideology. That's their ideology. That stem, the entire thing stems back to them because that stems back to Israel and the United States where it actually began. This is a PSYOP just like the rest of it. Again, that makes you uncomfortable. I'm sorry, facts make you so uncomfortable. This stuff is verifiable. As I said in the past, even Saudi Arabia has admitted on the record of things parts of this narrative. But here's CNN telling you Saudi Arabia executed 81 people on Saturday, including Yemenis, one Syrian, what they claim was for terrorism, and of course other fences like deviant beliefs. It says it right there. Okay, so where's the 11 paragraphs following how, how disgusting these people are and how the government should put no-fly zones and, and cut them off from outside resources and stop them from using banks and shut them off from soccer and football and whatever else. Where's all that, CNN? Didn't they just murder 81 people because they believe things differently than them? Did they have a court case? Yes, they did, in fact, but they tried them all exactly the same in one case because that's freedom, right? They dump you all in a room and just pretend to have a puppet. It's a, it's a, it's a kangaroo court. You don't try 60-plus people in one court case with different crimes and different meanings, if it's, I mean, it's, it's an illusion, guys. It's sort of the illusion of allowing women to do what they want while they've never actually allowed that to happen. It's a lie. And the Western media and the Western governments are happy to lie to you. So if you think you can't, they care about what's happening in Ukraine and don't care about this, I'd love to see your explanation. Crimes committed by these individuals also include pledging allegiance to foreign terrorist organizations such as ISIS, right? The groups that they have a direct connection to. I mean, the same, they share an ideology for crying out loud. So now you're pretending they're taking out people who have claimed allegiance to the group that they have a hand in creating? Or how about Al-Qaeda? Or the Houthis? Oh, look at that. That's really what it comes down to, guys. The group that they're trying to extinguish in Yemen. 
the popular movement supported by the people of Yemen as they want to force back in the puppet that they want to put in control, just like that happened in Venezuela with Guaido that they failed, or just like Zelensky in Ukraine, or just like the people they want to force in in Syria. That's how this works. Hadi is their fake puppet in in Yemen. It's the same situation anywhere you look. But yeah, but we're Russian chills, apparently, as we talk about Yemen, right? It's obvious, this stuff, guys. And I've proven all of this. Now, don't forget, well, I'll come back to that. I have a point about Venezuela in a second. But so these people have left to work with a group. That, that, so they're claiming, I can't, this is just Saudi Arabia's term, words, to go work with the Houthis. And so they're going to murder them. Now, you could argue that that makes sense from a standpoint of what the U.S. would do. Oh, you're working with ISIS, well, we're going we're gonna to kill you, right? That's how that works. Now, are they, though? Is that what's actually happening? Why we trust that without actual evidence is beyond me. Don't forget the, the person that Derek Rose had covered in the past long before COVID ever started, was an individual who was in Syria who claimed, and still to this day, has claimed that it was there reporting, sort of like the journalist from the New York Times that never, that didn't actually work with the New York Times that we'll get to in a minute, that was in, was killed in Ukraine, so we're told, and wasn't there at an official capacity. What was he doing? Well, Russia seems to think he was a spy. Regardless, the point, oh, the point was Derek's coverage there's a guy that went to Syria that said he was covering it as a journalist, as an independent. And they arrested him and held him without a court, without a trial for over, I think it was over a year and a half. I actually, off the top of my head, forget the resolution of that. At the end of the day, this person was char- was not charged and held. Why? Well, because terrorism. That's how that works. They never even had to prove that he was actually doing anything wrong. Does that sound like the government that supports freedom and rights and everything else that keeps screaming? You don't just get to say, we believe in your rights, except when we say this situation makes it no longer matter. That's becoming, that's authoritarian. Even if you believe they mean what they're saying, you tell me the next next person can't step in and just use it against you and lie? Why are we, why do we act like that makes sense? Crimes committed. It says some travel to conflict zones. This is also important to join terrorist organizations. Oh, so you mean like, we're talking about the people who are all fleeing into Ukraine to join the openly white supremacist entity like Canada, who has so many Canadian fighters in Ukraine that they have their own battalion right now, literally Canadian Ukrainian brigade right now, despite the fact that these people are again, openly white supremacist. We'll come back to this. It's unreal. This is all Western press reporting about the white supremacist problem, like right up until February, 2022. I'll, I'll show you the New York, the, the, the Newsweek article again in a second. Think about how ridiculous that is. So Saudi Arabia is uh, killing people for traveling to other places to join groups that they don't agree with. They're calling them terrorists, but the same way they call anybody they don't agree with terrorists, they could be. Houthis aren't terrorists. Palestinians aren't terrorists. They call them all terrorists. In fact, they're, they're literally their actions are protected under the Geneva Convention to the United Nations. Any occupied area has a right to armed rebellion. That's a fact. So it doesn't matter whether they attack first. It's amazing that point doesn't get more attention. The UN maintains that they're occupied in places like Golan Heights, Palestine, wherever else. So literally, based on the Geneva Conventions, these places have the right to armed rebellion, whether or not they're attacked first. That's, that's just simple international law. We don't care about these things, though. But my point is, as, the, as Americans and Britons and everybody else flood over into Ukraine, so we're being told anyway. I mean, it's just made through reports. For all I know, it's completely fabricated. But I do see evidence of that. It's been happening before this ever started. Is that not the same thing? And that's, by the way, against the law. Even, even the UK said that's a crime. Going over there is a crime. They're doing it anyway, because right now it's allowed. 
Now, don't don't be surprised when you wake up tomorrow and the narrative shifts on you because your government doesn't care about any of this. And suddenly you are now a terrorist because you're there. Sort of how the people in Venezuela were convinced to change sides and they left them high and dry. Most of them are now in prisons in the UK, right? Because they were leaving to fight for you guys because you convinced us to leave and then they just left them there. That's what happens to the people that leave and try to fight for what they think is the right cause or they're manipulated to do it because they're bribed to go. However you want to look at it. The ministry did not say how the executions were carried out. Why? Because it's usually pretty horrific. Disgusting things like crucifying people, beheading them in the town square. This still happens to this very day. Then finally it says, rights groups have accused Saudi Arabia of enforcing restrictive laws on political and religious expression. Oh, have they accused them of it? They openly say they're doing this, if you actually pay attention, and criticize it for using the death penalty, including for defendants arrested when they were minors. This is the chief ally of the United States, guys. This was just written. This is March 12th by CNN. Okay, again, where's all the outrage, CNN? Where's the bloviating about how we have to do something because people are suffering? We don't care about those people because you don't have a political agenda. Now, shift over to the other side of this where they're getting nothing but narrative with nothing to back it up, screamed comments from Zelensky, people, mayors aligned with the white supremacist government. I'll prove all this to you yet again. And they go, they did this. People died. And every Western outlet says it. And all they say is Ukrainian says or sources or evidence or intelligence. That's it. They're not proving this stuff. This we have evidence for. They have admitted it themselves. Nothing. Nothing. Now, before we jump into Ukraine, Robert put up a great article today. Iran claims strikes on Israeli Mossad bases in Iraq. Now, we covered this in the last show, and yet again, it was correct what we reported. That this was Iran attacking locations in Iraq, and it seems to be a strategically planned attack focusing on specific Israeli installations that, by the way, weren't even, I mean, they were reasonably close when it depends on how you're, you know, what metric you're using. But it was not what they were claiming. All of the Western press came out and said, they attacked the consulate, attacked the embassy. Not true. Yet again, verifiably so, they just report what they're told because they're ridiculous. These are supposed to be the top, top journalists of the world today, guys. They are parroting what they're told and constantly shown to be wrong. And not even just wrong, but shown that all they do is take what they're told to report because they believe that's just like during COVID. These people have been taught to believe what the experts tell them. And that what are the experts? The CDC. How many times they got caught lying? I can't even count. But you see, the point is they believe intelligence is blindly trusting what they're told. That's how they've been trained like dogs. So the same thing happening now, that these people believe that their insider sources always have their interest at heart. CIA insiders or whatever they think they have, they're tapped into the source. No, they're not. They get fed and they, get, they follow the line. That's what they do. So, and here's your point. Again, this has come out already. And I'm, they're going to they're gonna look past it or keep towing the line. The point is, Iran targeted Mossad bases, bases which Israel has openly... T- I mean, this is a very clear discussion. Just read the article for more information. The point is, they struck Iraq, and they openly discussed this being as Israeli strikes because they were doing it in response to the other part of the story that you didn't get from the mainstream Western press, the part where Israel attacked Syrian locations in Damascus and killed civilians. Yeah, you didn't hear that on the Western press? I wonder why. Oh, the civilian death we care about only in one location, right? Only if Israel's not involved, of course. So the point was, they came out and said, we are going to respond. And this apparently was the response. Now, according to al Maidin News, four Israeli Mossad agents were actually killed. Now, I've heard the number as high as nine, but it says seven were injured, including four of which who were in a critical condition. So it could have gone up to that. 
the point is, apparently this was a very successful strike, if you're listening to Iran, where they struck these Mossad training centers, where they were training people to do some serious things. False flag attacks, manipulation, the kind of stuff that we know is happening and eventually going to be blamed on people against them. That's how this works. Now, it says it, the area was fully raised to the ground with a bunch of Israeli mercenaries killed or injured. Now, this is why there hasn't been a lot of talk about this. Don't you think that if Iran literally attacked the embassy of the United States, that this would not be the biggest story? Of course it would. It would be everywhere. They're running from the story because they wanted to float. They attacked the U.S. We know that's what they do. Iran, bad guy. They jump right back to Ukraine. Why? Because they don't want you to dig further because you'll realize it wasn't their base and they're lying. And it was obviously an Israeli installation. Which, by the way, is a huge deal. You can't allow Israel to start making bases. Iraq didn't agree to that, but they've always been doing this. We've even proven to you before this all started that Israel was using Iraq or Iraqi passports that were provided by the U.S. government. They're, they don't care about Iraq. They care about using them insofar as their agenda will take. That, that's ex exactly everything the other points we're making. It says Iran was adamant that they would respond. And, they and it seems like they have. Iran could have chosen to strike Israel from Syria, but Robert's point is simply that that would have been a large escalation. And Israel would have then felt obligated to respond back. So what they did is essentially was target Israel in Iraq the same way that Israel is targeting Iran in, in, uh, in Syria. And that's the cuts the point. So they're just this is a calculated move. But we'll have to see where this continues. The point is, who's, who's ultimately doing illegal things here? The groups that are illegally occupying countries that they're not allowed to be in who are continually attacking and bombing countries, which they are not allowed to be in. Now, you can argue, and you and be right, that Iran attacking anything in Iraq is the same point. And I would agree with that. But the difference would be what the agreement between Iran and Iraq currently is in regard to this. And that, that's fluctuating day by day, it would seem. My point is, previously, I can attest to the fact that Iraq is okay with Iran conducting and, and carrying out operations inside of Iraq. But since the recent little regime change, it's probably different. Either way, guys, Got to be object objective and fair about it. The bottom line, though, same like with Russia and actions being taken now, is we can see beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was driven into action by one of these sides. Same thing here. Now, on one other point, just to recognize what Israel's constantly doing, and here this is coming from RT. Doesn't mean you should dismiss it, but you should recognize that it comes from RT. Now, if, you're, if you do that, but fail to do it in reverse and recognize that you should question what comes from Fox or CNN, but nonetheless, entertain it, but question that it comes from them, then you're just, you're choosing one side over the other. And that's a choice. It's not intelligent. It's childish. This is state media, just like Fox and CNN is. If you can't recognize that you're lost in a paradigm. This is Israel has claimed the planet. Please me claimed the plant is used by Iran. It's funny. I said that's actually in fact what's happened, but it, Iran as part of its program to develop nuclear weapons, which is not true. The IAEA has roundly said that's not true, which is the international organization that's meant to adhere, make sure they're not doing it. I mean, Robert's done countless reports on this. It's a joke. They just, they've been saying this for 20, 30 years. It's not true. Iranian state media announced on Monday that Tehran has foiled an attempted sabotage plot linked to Israel at a key underground nuclear plant. Now, how about this could have been something that was meant to cause an explosion? and blamed on other people. That's all happening right now around this discussion. Of, and this is tied directly back to the JCPOA, the nuclear deal that Israel's desperate to stop. Now, they detained several spies. Now, the IRNA news agency said suspected members of the Israeli link spy network, quote, planned on sabotaging the facility. And then, of course, we blame it on Iran. This is how this works, guys. And they've been caught doing this, and they have done this before. The alleged, now, just because that's the case doesn't mean this is true. Or, and by the way, it's an Iranian news outlet, but Iran itself could be lying about this. 
that doesn't, I don't, it's, it's, it's frustrating that I always have to counterbalance these things today. It's sort of like any, like the forever between Trump and you and, and Clinton. It was the same thing back then. Anything you said on one side, you had to go, but I'm not a fan of Clinton. That's <laughs> how this works. Cause people lost the two party paradigm are just breathlessly waiting to go. Oh, I do it. You're right. You're left. And none, and we're none of that. It's just being objective and that people lose themselves in this. But it says the officials had attempted to approach the an employee at the plant, having recruited one of his neighbors in a bid to gain inside information. That's pretty ridiculous. The detained individuals were reportedly paid in forms of cash and digital currency. And this uh, interesting direction, right? Now, my point, nonetheless, my point here is that they are we're in like not just in these locations, but we're talking like an, a residential area. Just manipulating a neighbor, an, a civilian, just to be able to get inside information into his life. Think about how, pro, how how invasive that is. That's what they do. All of them, any of these spy agencies, guys. And that's what's so alarming about it. Now, on the note of that and a misinformation around this whole thing, an outstanding article by Caitlin Johnstone. I'm always, always, I mean, whether we agree on everything, and there's plenty of stuff we don't agree on. Caitlin Johnstone just has a very special knack of putting this together. The, her articles are outstanding. Now, you may remember this picture. I'm trying to remember her name all of a sudden, top of my head. Naira? Is that what it was? I guess it's not right posted. The point is, this is the babies on cold incubator floors. Or babies out of incubators onto cold floors. This was a lie. And it's one of the most obvious and most documented lies. She was the daughter of an ambassador for the United States. She was put to say this, and she even put on a performance and cried. And you know what they said back then when you said she was lying? They said, how dare you? Look at how sad she is. Same thing today. How dare you? That child's crying, you monster. Oh, does that matter? She cried. The point is it could be a lie. Just like Oman. Just like Ba'ala. Ba or Bada. What is her name? I always forget her name. Bana. Bana, the little girl. These are fabricated psychological operations. And they've proven all of these. My point is right then, if you balked at that, this is in this again, this is a great, I'm gonna make a great point here in regard to Wikipedia today as well. Here's a valid way to use Wikipedia, by the way, in regard to how you look at this. Wikipedia is a joke. If college professors won't allow you to use Wikipedia as a source because it's not trustworthy, why would any why would the government be using it? Because it's not trustworthy. That's the point. It's manipulatable. My point is I use it in regard to things like this, where you can point out even their narrative says that's true, which doesn't mean you should not blindly take it at face value. It just shows you that it has mass adoption. That's the opposite of being verified as true, right? But my point is you can look this up on Wikipedia and it says exactly what I'm saying. She is the dot was the daughter of a ambassador and was, was she lied. Caitlin Johnstone, March 12th. The Washington Post has a new article out titled, and this is the absurd part about where we are right now, intelligence points to heightened risk of Russian chemical attack in Ukraine, officials say. Don't, don't forget, we just talked about this, where they admitted on, the, on some of these fake news outlets that, well, while we don't have evidence of anything happening, we know that Putin's playbook is blah, 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 blah like that. That's all. That's it. That's it. Putin's playbook. Oh, really? Uh, Bana, thank you. Putin's playbook. I mean, <laughs> so you don't have evidence, but because we want you to think about things that have, we have no evidence of, every news outlet for the next three days is going to hype and hype and hype. The chemical attack could be happening. We have intelligence. No, you don't. The intelligence is that you said it could happen. It's exactly like we saw with Ned Price and, and, and Associated Press. They don't have, the intelligence is that we think it could happen. That's how they're framing this. It's really embarrassing. But she points out, I, and I challenge you to find me any Russian state media 
with two opening paragraphs like the Washington Post here that are more brazenly propagandistic and bereft of journalistic ethics than these. Here's what it says. And by the way, it's right here. Just so we can see it, these first two paragraphs, I'll come back to this in a minute. Now it says, the United States and its allies have intelligence that we know is not, it's just that they think it's possible, that Russia may be preparing, may be preparing to use chemical weapons against Ukraine. U.S. and European officials said Friday, not even Ukrainian officials, U.S. and European officials said this. Now, th- uh, take, for, f- ignoring for a moment that there's literally no strategic benefit to this. In fact, that it absolutely counters, don't forget that regular bombs are far more destructive and far more effective in whatever you're trying to accomplish. Effective is, is accurate in that term, especially if you, what your effect is, is to cause mass damage. Now, their point is they're going to use these weapons because they want to cause damage. But see, that's contradictory. Their argument is actually that they're trying to pretend that Putin is such a maniacal maniac that he wants people to suffer. He wants to use these weapons to make them suffer. But sure, sure, it's possible. But I don't even argue that's what the U.S. government would do. This is the same point, guys. None of these governments would, I I don't believe personally. Now, I know people probably disagree with this, but I personally just don't think that governments anywhere would just like go out there just because they want to murder children. My point is that all of them would do it if it was beneficial to them because they're pretty morally ambiguous. It's about the agenda. But to argue that they just used, might use chemical weapons because, because Putin crazy is childish. And it's just as childish and stupid and bereft of facts as it was in, in Syria or Iraq, or anywhere else they make these allegations, and now we can look back through history and see how many times they've been proven to be lying and proven to be responsible for what they accuse them of. But yet, here we are again, for the umpteenth time. The point is, U.S. European officials said, as Moscow sought to invigorate its faltering military offensive through increasingly brutal assaults across multiple Ukrainian cities. That's it. So he wants to be brutal. To what? To invigorate his faltering military offensive, which, by the way, by everyone's account other than Western propaganda, not faltering at all. The point, though, is that how does that even make sense? So you want you want to carry out brutal attacks to invigorate your offensive? That isn't that literally doesn't even make sense. So you harm them extra specially. So now we're winning all of a sudden. These people are children. And she's right. I've never, this is more brazenly propagandistic. It says, the next paragraph, security officials and diplomats said the intelligence, which they declined detail, pointed to possible preparations by Russia for deploying chemical munitions and warned the Kremlin may seek to carry out a false flag attack that attempts to pin the blame on Ukrainians or perhaps Western governments. The officials, like others quoted in the story, spoke on the condition of anonymity because of the sensitive nature of the matter. So literally nothing. We heard something. They said, we're reporting it. There's no evidence of it. In fact, it's just what they tend to do. Therefore, we're going to report this as absolute fact on every media outlet across the West because they're all broken. So here's what she says. And I love the way she frames this. So Russia is preparing to stage a chemical attack. And also the Russians chemical attack might look like Ukrainians or Western governments committed the chemical attack. And also the evidence for this is secret. And also the details are secret. And also the government officials advancing the claim are secret. And also Russians military offensive is faltering. Gotcha. Do you not realize how childishly, I mean, that's just childish. After everything that's happened and this government has been caught caught and i mean if you want to say accused of or or we believe has carried out lies that's that list goes on for the rest of your life but 
caught lying, caught lying about WMDs, caught lying about Venezuela, caught lying about everything like this we've talked about. And here we are where they're just going to go, trust us. I just I have to read that again. So Russia is preparing to stage a chemical attack. And also the Russian chemical attack might look like Ukraine and the Western governments did it. And also the evidence for it is secret. And also the details are secret. And also the government officials advancing the claim are secret. And of course, they're, they're faltering. It just makes me laugh. The accusations, the article goes on, surfaced as Russia's re- Russia repeated claims that the United States and Ukraine were operating secret biological weapons labs in Eastern Europe. An allegation that the Biden administration dismissed as total nonsense and outright lies. So it surfaces as they're pointing to what's happening in Ukraine and they're coming over the top with an unverified claim. And that's what we focus on. Not all the evidence around the labs that they're very clearly there, but no, we focus entirely on the claim that we can't prove. That's Western Press. This paragraph is awesome in two different ways, she says. First, it's awesome because the Washington Post goes out of its way to inform readers that Russia's claims have been dismissed as total nonsense and outright lies after having literally just reported completely unevidenced claims by anonymous government officials with no criticism or scrutiny of any kind. They are somewhere aware of that. They must be. Secondly, it's awesome because at no point during the rest of the article is any mention made of Victoria Newland's incendiary admission before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee that Ukraine has, quote, biological research facilities that the U.S. is, quote, quite concerned might end up falling into the hands of Russian forces. So we can literally have this discussion being stated. And they are still right in this moment pretending like this is fake news or that it's not exactly what we think it is has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. It's just silly. It's so obvious if you're just simply listening and not just being told what to hear, right? Over and over again throughout the article, The Washington Post takes great care to inform readers that Russian claims about biological weapons are not to be trusted, with allegations from Moscow described as, quote, unproven accusations, except they're literally easy to verify. And I've shown you the exact document from the Wayback Machine that proves they paid for it and that they're in control of it and they were doing research on dangerous pathogens. Easy to prove. And it goes on describing me as with no verifiable evidence, obviously false, absurd and laughable, outrageous claims, utter nonsense, quote, sinking to new depths and finally baseless. I was going to try to grab. Now nah, I'm going to leave it. I, I, you, I, I'm not always going to bring up the, the other show. Remember, that's the one that was the way back machine that I was going to show you where it, it proves that. I mean, by the way, I mean, if she's openly stating this. The evidence is openly contradictory to how they're trying to frame this as just research or whatever else. These are clearly the opposite of what they're saying. But you should be skeptical of any claim coming from any government. Her point is simply that they go fake, 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 fake without any looking, without any due diligence whatsoever. However, this again, after uncritically reporting completely unsubstantiated allegations by government officials and sheltering them from any accountability by granting them the cover of anonymity. 
That's how this works. Unproven claims by the Russian government are laughable absurdities presented without evidence, even as they present them with evidence. Unproven claims by the U.S. government are just the news. This is my point about childish. We all see this. Some of us just choose to ignore it. The Washington Post also refers to past Russian dismissals of alleged chemical weapons attacks in Syria as false flags used to frame Damascus, which they've been proven to be, understand. Proven, and I don't use that lightly. It's just like other things they've proven, they just continue to lie about. You know that's how this works. While, of course, making no mention of the mountains of evidence that this has indeed occurred. Mountains of evidence. And of course, she links to them, as she always does. It also says the UN Human Rights Office has quote, received credible reports of Russian using cluster bombs, which, quote, could constitute war crimes. And by the way, credible reports means the U.S. government is telling the United Nations. That's all that means. That's 100% what's happening. But of course, making no mention of the USA's abundant use and sale of the exact same munitions. Look at the links for yourself, guys. I shouldn't have to prove this stuff. It's painfully obvious. Iraq, cluster bombs, depleted uranium munitions, white phosphorus. That's what they do. It's easy to to prove in every war they've ever been involved in. Israel as well. Indeed, democracy dies in darkness. Their point is that they're obviously the ones carrying that out. Syria is an obvious example of all of this. Mountains of evidence to prove to you that they were part of this, carrying them out. Now, on top of that, the Ukraine part of it, which I'll get to in a minute again, shows you the history of how this started just like it happened in Syria that they carried these shootings out and then justified their own regime change. The fact that this Russian false flag narrative is being shoved forward with so much propagandistic fervor, not just by the Washington Post, but also by government officials themselves and CIA media pundits, makes it all the more concerning that we're seeing things like YouTube itself banning the denial of well-documented violent events involving Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Point being, They're banning facts that you can prove because it goes against the narrative, just like they do everywhere else. We could soon see a chemical weapons incident occur in Ukraine, and I truly believe that's what's being built, after which Silicon Valley platforms ban all accounts who express skepticism of the official Western narrative about what happened. Look, guys, I genuinely believe something's being built. Doesn't mean it might not stop or they might pull back. Somebody points out that Patrick Lancaster already showed cluster bombs. Exactly. But I believe this is being built right now with the help of these entities so that they can carry this out. They've already been proven to be correct on plenty of these locations, like the like the like Mariupol specifically or the kindergarten to begin with. All these things have been shown to be false. These are things that are happening inside Donbass. Why in the world would Russia be bombing inside of Donbass, especially when their front line is not a, a the point is these are center of the city. Direct. I mean, I'll, I'm going to get into this again in a minute showing you the videos, not just from Patrick, from plenty of others, on the ground, proving to you that these are people being shot and attacked in the center of the Donbass region. That's not where these would be happening unless it was coming from Ukraine, unless you believe that Russia is just bombing inside of Donbass, which you should you should ask whether that's possible. But you don't just, there's nothing that makes sense of that whatsoever, unless, again, you're just deciding because they're maniacs. Or I would give you one logical possibility that they would be bombing inside of there so to blame Ukraine. Now, that's certainly possible, but look at the fervor. Look at the narrative. Nobody's buying anything Russia says at all, so it wouldn't even make sense to carry something like that out because they're just going to go, nope, fake, we don't even care. We don't, don't believe it. Anybody, the, the people they're trying to reach right now are you, the American audience, the Western audience to be more specific. 
but banning denial of well-documented events, or by the way, also banning proof that they've already been caught lying. Now, and this is just in Ukraine, or you know what's happening with the Ukraine and Russia, but realize that this already has crossover into the whole Great Reset world. And that's the kind of censorship we're going to see. Now, it says this is a widespread general understanding. There is a widespread general understanding in the West that Russia stands everything to gain by lying about what happens on the ground in Ukraine, which, sure, I absolutely agree with that, and cannot be taken at its word about occurrences during this war. Any government in any war, that should be a standing reality. There is much less widespread understanding of the fact that both Ukraine and the United States stand to gain everything by lying about this war and well as well as cannot be trusted either. But this is the childish reality of where we are. One is ignored because you're un-American, apparently, if you don't stand with the white supremacist extremist government there that they put in place, while blindly doubting everything Russia says no matter what without any due diligence. It's stupid. The Washington Post's own reporting, by the way, says Russia's victory in this war is a foregone conclusion. And you'll find that buried in most every Western press. Yet that's what they keep pretending is not the reality as they sell you on other not other lies. They're going to kill people with chemical weapons because they're failing. That's their line right now. At the top of this article, in the Washington Post article, while later arguing it's a foregone, make sense of that. If it could persuade NATO powers to take a more direct role in combat, oh, that, excuse me, I forgot. I, that, Ukraine's only chance at stopping Russia in the near term, it says, would be if it could persuade NATO powers to take a more direct role in the combat, which we've already seen pushed by Zelensky, aggressively pleading with them. Give me a no-fly zone. Do, right now, they're trying to push Zelensky, essentially, to... to my, my point is, they're trying to play this game where they're acting like they'll never do this, like they always do. Sort of how they go, oh, I'm never going to run for president. I haven't even thought about it. Then two days later, they announce they've always been planning it. <laughs> That's how that goes. I believe this is the plan. They're trying to drive action strong enough and that's what a chemical weapon false flag would do to where they go, we have to come in with NATO because otherwise he's going to keep carrying out chemical attacks. That's what I think is going to happen. They're going to manufacture consent for becoming a NATO controlled area, which is only going to drive Russia to act in which I would argue they have every logical reason to act against it. Because if you have a NATO controlled territory along your border with, and we're going to get into Poland and everything else in a minute, they already expressed and been made, they've already been very clear about what they want to do. And will do. Let not even discussing the extremist entity that is in place in Ukraine that seemingly carry out actions that don't even don't even wait to see if anybody wants or that the larger agenda is that they would allow to happen. Right? I don't even believe that the people on the ground in Ukraine care about the larger agenda. I think they care about what they're trying to accomplish. The government itself. But even before the invasion of the US was already that the US government was already pushing the narrative that Russia has a list of dissidents. Journalists and vulnerable populations, such as religious and ethnic minorities and LGBTQ persons, who it plans on rounding up and torturing. Remember that? I see no evidence of that. Are they capable of it? Of course they are. But don't we need evidence anymore? This is just, well, because Russia playbook, we know that they're going to do that. What's the benefit there? Why would they just round up LGBTQ? It doesn't make sense. Again, certainly possible, but I just need some kind of logic to make it make sense. What's the benefit for them? Now, my point. Oh, I want to play this in a second. But to, it says, uh, the point here is that, as the, as the tweet points out, the CIA, the Washington Post, is going full babies on bayonets already. Putin is going to round up and torture all gays with zero to back it up other than that's what Putin does. I'm not even making that up. Their argument is literally because we know how they operate, therefore this. 
That's the uh, that's the level of Western journalism today, and it's pathetic. To be clear, she says, it is not conjecture that the U.S. and its proxies make use of atrocity propaganda. The infamous Naira testimony, for example, helped manufacture consent for the Gulf War when a 15-year-old girl who turned out to be a coached plant falsely told the U.S. Congressional Human Rights Caucus that she'd witnessed Iraqi soldiers taking babies out of incubators in Kuwait and leaving them on the floor to die. This was when we saw Iraq, armed with chemical weapons from the United States, use them against Iran. Fact. Easy to prove. Pretend like they wouldn't do it today, because that's never going to... Obviously, it's the same situation. They're using somebody else to be their tool against another government. Atrocity propaganda has been in use for as long as war and media have coexisted. As she says, be very skeptical of anything you hear. She goes on to say about chemical attacks or anything else, but I'm anything. Question everything. Now, check this. This is the false testimony that your government used to emotionally manipulate the American people into justifying their actions in regard to the first Iraq war. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, the War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez. For the baby in Kuwait. They barely escaped when their car was stuck in the desert, desert sand, and help came from Saudi Arabia. I stayed behind and wanted to do something for my country. It's the second week after an invasion. I volunteered, volunteered at the Aladan Hospital with 12 other women who wanted to help as well. I was the youngest volunteer. The other women were from 20 to 30 years old. While I was there, I saw the Iraqi soldiers come into the hospital with guns. They took the babies out of the incubators, took the incubators, and left the children to die on the cold floor. 100% false. 100%. Now, think about that for a second. I mean, even watching this, you almost feel like, like people would defend this. If they didn't know the background story, and all they had was the clip right now, today, and I said, that's actually fake, they would flip out. How dare you suggest that? Look at how upset she is. That's because you're being emotionally manipulated. That's what that's supposed to be. This was 100% fake. Not partially fake. A hundred percent. They manufactured it from whole cloth. So who told her this? Who drove her to do it? You know the answer to that. Her father didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, let's lie for the government. The U.S. government drove this into action. Whether that was the CIA, the State Department, it's the U.S. government, guys. That's what this was. And this was the entire impetus for the invasion or the allowance of the war, which they used chemical weapons, which then, of course, led further after, you know, War after war after war after war. That's what then you're lied to over and over and over. It should make you sick. Why would they put babies? I mean, the idea is that they just took the incubators because they want incubators. What, did they carry them out of the building? Did they have trucks inside the hospital? Like, let's think about this for a second. It was stupid back then. But it's all about emotion, guys. That's what this is. Be skeptical of everything you're hearing from Russia, from Ukraine, from the United States. But you see, people who have chosen a side don't care about that. Now, on the LGBTQ point of this, don't forget, we already talked about this. This is an article. Uh, where was the date on this again? From, I believe it was, how did I date this again last time? I forget how I dated this. Oh, it was 2020. I remember now. I've, I, I looked this up in another place. You just take my word for it. You can look it up later. This is from 2020. 
hate crimes against LGBT people in Ukraine. And by the way, this goes long before the whole situation now. The point is they're simply saying we're being attacked and it's being allowed. You can read it. I went over this the last time I talked about this and it's being allowed by the Ukrainian government. It's under the control of the U.S. government. This was at the time Zelensky, right? So they're, we're going to round up LGBTQ. Well, it's far more likely to happen in a place where they're openly attacking them in the streets because of what they are. Now you can argue that that's, there's sentiment in Russia in the same way, but don't we need evidence anymore? Bottom line is, even if it's 100% happening in both places, why are you only reporting on one side of it? This is why they hate the group, people like us, guys, because I'm absolutely willing to play and take an objective stance. You can't, it's, it's impossible to call you, I mean, it's not, they'll call you fake news no matter what. The point is, this is very obvious that they're taking a single side of this. Now, here was the even, even Vice News and their pathetic effort to hide this story. They titled this, Trans People Stranded Because Russia's Invasion. The first thing you get into this, you find out she's stranded. And you could argue it's because of the invasion, but it's not, it's it's because the Ukrainian government will attack her if she's found. She's hiding who she is because she's struggling. If she if they find her, they're going to they're going there's some bad things will happen to her. On top of that, they're gonna say, You're a man, we don't believe you're a woman, and we're gonna force you to fight. It's all in there, even in the Vice article, but they want you to think Russia bad guy. That's the premise. How about you realize that she's like they really want you to just to take this as it's because she's LGBTQ and she's scared of Russia. That's I mean, it says right here, trans people in Ukraine tell Vice News they're fearful of trying to escape Russian forces. That's even the subtitle. Her own words make it clear that she's afraid of the Ukrainian government. It's just pathetic. Vice News is garbage. But most of these main Western mainstream press, which is what they are, corporate press, height pretending to be independent. But let's talk about Renaud for a minute. Now, this has been one of these stories, one of the stories that have been really prolific throughout all the, the last few days. And we, there's even one from today we'll get to towards the end of another journalist. But this is the one from this ABC News, American journalist killed in Ukraine. An American journalist has been killed in Ukraine. The New York Times confirmed. But here's the important part as we get into more of the, the behind the scenes on this. Brent Renaud, a photographer and filmmaker, had worked for the, as a contributor for New York Times, but was not assigned for the Times when he was killed, according to the statement. They went out of their way to make sure we knew this. He was not there in an official capacity. In fact, they made it clear that he was using a credential from 2015. It says, quote, we're saddened to hear of his death. Talented filmmaker. It worked for us over the years. They said, though he had contributed to the Times in the past, the last time he had was back in 2015, which is what his past was from. He was not on assignment for any desk at the Times in Ukraine. So being there on an unofficial capacity is, is suspicious. And anybody knows that. You know, I mean, the only, the only like the fact that Sean Penn was able to go there and shoot something as a documentary is ridiculous to me. This is a war situation. Journalists are able to do this because they have credentials and and you know diplomatic passes and all this. For this guy just to be there without any that's crazy. And it does. And as I said then, I shouldn't say crazy. It's it's pretty common, but it very clearly should make you ask what was he actually doing there. If it was just there to report on his own personal documentary, well, he would have some kind of credential. You don't just find your way into Ukraine. But, and especially use an old pass that wasn't legitimate. But early reports that he worked for the time circulated because he was simply wearing the pass, which again shows you that media reports what they're told. Are, they re are you really going to pretend that you couldn't just take 30 seconds to dig into the story and be like, oh, it's from 2015. Oh, they already reported that it was old. And it, nope. The first reports from your Western press said, he worked for the Times, he was there for the Times, could pass. 
just think about how that is what they do today. You're constantly misled by the Western press, even though they don't even realize they're doing it half the time. Kiev's police chief later confirmed his death in a Facebook post. Don't forget that the police have been completely overtaken by the Azov Battalion, which was reported by the New York, uh, the news, by Newsweek, by the experts on the topic, by even Western press before we got here. So think about that. He was shot. So we're told. And the people to report this was on their Facebook page, the police chief of Kiev. Now, the State Department also confirmed his death. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said, I will consult with my colleagues. We'll be consulting with the Ukrainians to determine how this happened and then to measure the and execute appropriate consequences of it. The point being that he's going to take what they tell him happened or they don't even care because they're involved. I mean, how you want to look at this? Because for me, there's something a little more fishy happening here. Now I'm going to use their own information to show you that if their information is true, that they just proved themselves that there's no way Russians could have shot him in this location. Now, don't forget that the CNN came right out and said, shot by Russians, because Ukraine told them that. That's it. Verifiable. CNN is just simply a parrot of a white supremacist government. That's what they're doing. That's journalism today in the Western press. Police in Kiev said the social media post on Sunday, again, that's where it came from, in a tweet they put out, they identified him, posted a photo of the body of American and the passport as evidence, as well as the photo of an outdated New York Times press badge. So they saw the outdated badge and they still didn't report it as, as they just simply parroted he's a New York Times journalist because that's what got more clicks. Now, here's the point. First of all, here's what TASS has to say. Now, people are going to dismiss this because Russian new media, and that's stupid. You should question it like any other side. March 14th, it says Russia is not responsible for journalist Renaud's death in Ukraine. Russia is not responsible, they said, for the death of American journalist Renaud in Ukraine, since the area around Irpen, where he was killed, is controlled by Ukrainian troops. Okay. Well, that's just a claim from Russia. So you should so you should think 50-50 could be a lie and could be covering up because they killed him. And we should check. We should do our due diligence on this. Right? Quote. No, this is not the Fox News journalist for those in the chat. We're talking this. We're going to get that in a minute. Quote, my American colleague, U.S. Deputy Permanent Representative to the U.N. Richard Mills. Uh, this is what he's talking about. My American colleague has mentioned journalist Brett Renaud's death in Irpin. Who was allegedly killed by Russian forces. We deplore all who was killed in the conflict, he said. But I was I would like to specify two things. First, he was not a journalist. And the New York Times refuted immediately. Now, there again, you can see how th this plays both ways. Russia will bend this the way that they want. And I would argue that that is also incorrect. I, I didn't see New York Times say he wasn't a journalist. They simply just said he hadn't been working for them on an official capacity then. See what, I see, see what I'm saying? Both sides play this game, and we have to be honest with ourselves from all sides. And the New York Times didn't refute it necessarily. They just simply said he wasn't on an official capacity. Going forward, information is disseminated in the, in the internet that his activities were far from journalism. Now, that is what they're claiming. Uh, that was my suspicion as well. And I have seen other discussions about it, but nothing I feel it was proven, so I didn't include it today. Plenty of arguments that this guy was not, was there not in a journalistic capacity. That's what, that's what it seemed to suggest to me as well, but I'll let you suss that out for yourself, at least for now. And second, he says, Irpin is totally controlled by the Ukrainian army and Ukrainian territorial defense units. Quote, according to Renaud's colleague who survived the incident, and I'll show you this next, fire at the car was opened by Ukrainian troops. 
Now, I don't, unless there's more to this clip that I wasn't able to find, which is certainly possible, I wasn't able to verify that he said anything other than we were fired on. So again, if that is all there is, my point would be Russia, because of their narrative, which I, I actually believe is true, and I'll show you next in regard to their data that seems to back this up, that this is controlled by the Ukrainian army. Their point would be, well, he said they were fired at. Therefore, it was Ukraine because that's where they were. But what they said was, he said they were fired on by Ukrainian troops. But as far as I can tell, that's not what he said. And I'll show you so this becomes clear. My point is that all sides will play their games and all sides will bend the way they want it to. Now, one of these sides is likely true, but you should be questioning all of it. Just recognize that. I want to be clear about that, that they're bending this too. Now, here's the clip first of, uh, what was his name? I just blanked on it all of a sudden. Juan Ar Ari Aridando. Now, let me see. I believe I had this. Uh, yeah, it's, I'll just play it right here. Here's what he had to say. Tell me, tell me, please, what is your name? Right, Juan. Juan? Juan? Where are you from? Uh, the U.S. U.S. What happened to you? Uh, we were, we crossed one, the first bridge in Yerping. We are going to film other refugees leaving. Mm -hmm. And we got onto a car. Somebody offered to take us to the other bridge. And we crossed a checkpoint and they started shooting at us. Um, so the driver turned around and they kept shooting. It's two of us. My friend is friend Renault. Now, basically, what he goes on to say is that <clears throat> his friend was shot in the neck and he doesn't know what happened to him. So obviously, Brett went on to die. And it's just, it's sad, you know. But nonetheless, the point is that he didn't say anything about Russians, right? Now, whether or not he comes out later after this and says, I meant Russians, or maybe there's part of the video that I didn't see, which I looked for. Nonetheless, the evidence does not seem to back this up, that it was Russians. And I'll show you this right now. But let's be clear about this. Both sides are saying he said something that he did not seem to say. Isn't that interesting? It shouldn't be really. This is what happens every single time in any war situation. But isn't it? So now we come to the point about where is European Ir controlled or who is under controlling it or who is controlling it at this moment? Because he seemed to just say we were shot at. Now, also, there's a point about whether these bridges were even functional. That would possibly add questioning to what he is saying. But here, let's get into what they're actually talking about on the BBC article, by the way, which was posted nine hours ago. Okay. Ukraine maps, tracking the Russian invasion. Here's the important part. First of all, take note of Kiev. Red, according to their maps, is supposed to be, dark red is supposed to be Russia controlled. The red with lines through it is advance. So first of all, take note of the fact that Kiev is not under Russia control, and it's not even under Russia advance, according to BBC. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying according to them, what they're saying, because they're the ones saying this is current as of today, also the ones saying that he was killed by Russian troops. Okay, that's just Kiev first. <clears throat> oh, and, and of course, this was posted as of late yesterday, just so we know how current this is. Now, here's the next part. Here is an, a, a zoomed-in part of Kiev, which is what we're talking about, and here's what it shows. Very clearly take note that Irpin is not under Russian control, and it's also not even under Russian advance right? Very clear. That's as of today. So here's what it says. Russian forces carried out several attacks in the northwest of the city on Monday, yesterday, around Bucha and Irpin. But efforts to cross the Irpin River failed, according to the Institute of Study for War. It failed, meaning they did not cross into Irpin. That's BBC's own reporting. As of today, 
It says Russian engineers unsuccessfully tried to build a pontoon bridge over the river. Ukrainian troops blew up the main bridge linking Irpin to Kiev. You mean the bridge you just talked about crossing? That seems a little bit weird. Now, it's just as likely the BBC is just lying to you for some un- unknown reason right now, because that's all they do. And the guy was telling the truth, and they just don't know that they're not. I mean, I don't know. Bottom line is, this very clearly contradicts what's being stated. Last part, the city, Earpin is what we're talking about, or specifically Kiev, is bracing itself for a ground assault with Ukrainian forces and volunteers building new defenses and creating barricades on major routes to slow the Russian attack. Okay, th- that's undeniable, guys. So, if Irpin is not under Russian control, anybody want to explain to me how there could be a Russian checkpoint inside Ukrainian-controlled territory? Oops. That's how easy this stuff is if you're just paying attention. When you lie about everything, you're going to step on a previous lie. Now, is it not, I, I should add, because I'm objective, is it, not, is it possible that maybe BBC is behind? Sure. But I've cross-referenced this with all the current information that I can see. And as far as I can tell, this is happening right now. So, just because Russia said it, therefore fake news, right? Well, no. It could be fake news. And Russia lies just like anybody does, the government. But what they said is true. It is under Ukrainian control based on everything that I can see. Now, here's one more point. And this goes back less than a week ago. Earpin mounts resistance against Russian tanks. And simply points out that the streets of Irpin and mainly residential areas of outskirts of Kiev are largely deserted two weeks after Russia's invaded Ukraine. But Irpin is a city where Ukrainian fighters are mounting resistance against approaching Russian tanks. Right. Okay. This was, I think, four or five days ago. Okay. So that, that point was four days ago, five days ago, they were resisting. And here we have confirmed by today by BBC that they stopped them. They stopped them from crossing. They failed their river cross into Irpin and are currently blocking them. And their map continues to show they're not there. Okay, not to belabor the point. So now reflect on what CNN reported. Reflect on what any of them are telling you as they blindly report that Russia bad guy did this thing. And then, of course, say we're right now considering the consequences that we're going to carry out against Russia. Just think about that. Think about what that means geopolitically even as they're caught lying. Now, remember, this guy didn't say anything other than he was shot at. So let's wait and see how that pans out. There's plenty more than that, guys. I find that to be a huge point. Very big deal. They're caught in real time contradicting themselves. Well, don't forget who it is they're supporting and why they're apparently desperate to lie about everything right now. Another meme. I was going to go through and get all of these, like I did the last one. But I realized, you know, it's, 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 it's this simple. These are very real. Every one of them. Western media before February 2022. Ukraine celebrates Nazi collaborator. Bans book critical of Pogrom's leader. Far-right fighters from Europe join Ukraine. Ukraine designates national holiday to commemorate Nazi collaborator. Britain joins neo-Nazi militia in Ukraine. Neo-Nazis and the far-right are on a march in Ukraine. It's everywhere. Look, that picture that people pretend is fake news right now. Yeah, oops, that picture was posted on the BBC. Look at that. Ukraine underplays role of far right in conflict. Isn't it amazing how that very picture is, is pointed at as altered fake news, manufactured, but BBC used it before this started? That's how dumb all of this is. People don't care about facts anymore. Remember when Bilderberg discussed the post-truth world? Clearly they succeeded. 
at least in the paradigm. But then, of course, Western media after February 2022, glory to Ukraine is what it stands for. Glory to Ukraine, which is what they're even saying. Now, I just picked out a couple of them. Here's the first one, just to prove it to you that these are real. This is from 2018. Well into the Zelensky rule from the fake news scenario. Ukraine collaborate collab, excuse me, Ukraine celebrates Nazi collaborator. Bans book critical of pogrom's leader. Now forget this was uh, uh, an organized massacre of particular ethnic group of a particular ethnic group, in particular that of the Jewish people in Russia or Eastern Europe in the late 19th century. So what we're talking about here is Ukraine celebrating a Nazi collaborator and banning the book critical of the, and this is the very group, don't forget, that the, uh, the, the Israel was supporting, arming, that even their own people called them out for. On the record. I wasn't going to, let me see if it comes up real quick. There it is. Of course, I just searched for it. Just in case people hear that and go, that can't be true. Rights groups demand Israel stop arming neo-Nazis in Ukraine. I mean, just that's incredible. I just, this article blows me away that this is posted openly. And if I said this without this article, people would call me racist. It basically says there appears that the appearance of Israeli weapons in the hands of neo-Nazis should be consideration, should be stopped basically. And what they're saying is this is not the first time that Israel has armed this kind of ideology. Israel armed anti-Semitic regimes in Argentina, gave them Uzis from which they used to fire on Jewish people. I mean, it's the, the point is, guys, these people, the Zionist entity doesn't care. Just like the U.S. government doesn't care about the people they pretend they care about. It's an agenda. They're being used. They're right now openly arming the very people they pretend they're fighting just like the U.S. government is. Here's another point that was referenced in that article. Kiev's far-right groups refused to disarm. That's back in 2014. Remember Ritter just talked about this? I'm all of a sudden blanking on his first name. Ritter, not John. Shoot. Ritter's doing, the, oh, it's right here, by the way. What happened is the United States and European Union mobilized this virulent nationalist group out of Lvov in Western Ukraine, among whom were these neo-Nazis who worship Stepan Bandera and the, band, uh, the Banderista. I don't want to play the whole thing. That's Scott, Scott Ritter. And he points out the same thing, that this was, where are we here? There we go. That this was that this this happened openly on the line where basically Zelensky way back in the beginning went out and this is not in 2014, obviously. He's talking about when Zelensky was in power. But the same thing happened here, where the president or the, the puppet that's in power went to tell them disarm and they simply said, No, we don't care what you think. Why? Because they're not under the control of the fake Kiev government or 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 Ukrainian government, they're under the control of outside powers. And they're being armed and controlled by the that you are and funded and driven forward by the CIA, which has been openly admitted to. This is 2014. And they refuse to disarm. Russia claims that Ukraine in 2014, guys, is overrun by far-right groups who are causing chaos. Isn't it amazing the continuity of that fake news story that the US government doesn't want you to think about, even as their own information said the same thing before we weren't supposed to talk about it anymore? How is it possible that Russia can be lying even though they said the same thing before we got here? This is ridiculous. If you are blindly following this narrative, you, you've never been more obviously misled. It's painful. And I honestly think that a lot of these people are just desperate not to be shown to be false, especially coming off realizing they were wrong about COVID and running from that realization still into another fake realization, right? Or fake narrative. 
but it simply points out that they are, he's, they were saying back then and every year since that that's what's happening. Why? Because that is what's happening. But that doesn't mean Russia's not capable of lying too for all those that have to have the counterbalance. But it says uh, that they it, basically France's Ukraine correspondent says it's not true that they're simply a fringe element, which has been proven to not be true. Proven, as we've shown you a countless times over, as I'll come back to in a minute. The expert on the topic from Newsweek before this started telling you that it's been immersed throughout the government. In fact, it was created by the Ministry of Interior. It's the National Guard. It's immersed in the police forces. They just lie to you. They regularly lie to you because they don't want to admit the reality. Even back in 2014, Western observers also dismissed the Kremlin's propaganda. Right. But then they started admitting it, and now they've gone back to calling it propaganda. That's how stupid this is. You know why they've slightly admitted it for a while? Because the, the agenda was to build it. The agenda was to scare you about it. And then the agenda was to lay it at the feet of the Republicans or whatever they want to lay it at the people of the white supremacists they claim are happening in the United States, which are they're manufacturing. Right, like the Rise Above movement, which we'll get to in a minute, which is the arm of the Azov Battalion that's operating in the United States, that they want to lay at the feet of Russia. They're already trying to. It's pathetically obvious. But it says, however, there are genuine concerns of behavior of some of the self-defense groups on the far right who took part in the maiden protests. Yeah, the protests that they were behind, which we know as a matter of fact. Late on Monday, a shooting incident involved a member of the far-right coalition known as the Right Sector. So here they are admitting the Right Sector is a problem, but they're the ones right now training alongside the U.S. government and the military, arming civilians. That's a fact. I've proven it to you. The Right Sector flag is the ones Russia keeps finding. The point that we've, we've shown you... Let me see if I can grab this. It pops up. There you go. Look at that. This is incredible. I can't believe obvious this is. Remember this woman? This woman was part of the fake news. The, the, or let me get it to refresh on you. That woman right there, the older woman. That was all across the media, right? Well, don't forget, this was them. You, these are openly white supremacist. But look, it says it right here. Members of Ukraine's Azov movement. This is 2022. This is right now. And they're openly saying these are the people training civilians and children to fight Russia. Isn't that incredible? And the right sector were one of the people that I proved to you were there alongside veterans and everybody else. And yet here is France 24 telling you they are far right extremists, which says its ideology is nationalist, but not Nazi. Which probably would be fair if they're not Nazi party, but nonetheless, it's the same difference when you're talking about extremism. No faith in Ukraine's new government. Okay, so back in 2014, right, the government, the U.S. government put in place, the people of Ukraine didn't want them there. Now, let's pretend like that didn't change, right? It's obvious that people in the Ukraine don't support this government. They just hide that by parroting what people want them to hear by people that they put in place. Pravi Sector spokesman Bondarenko echoed this, stating that the group had little faith in Ukraine's new authorities. He says, quote, we must not place our trust in a government when all that has changed are the names of those in power, not the system. And by the way, we've proven that to you. They kept looting the government. They kept robbing people. They kept killing journalists. We'll get all of that in a minute. That's the same government backed by the U.S., except now we support them because I stand with Ukraine, right? His view is one widely shared in Ukraine. This is Western press admitting back when they were allowed to admit it. Now, the point is, where was it? The maiden discussion. These are the same groups who took part in the maiden protest. You need to remember what that really was. 
On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered, and it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers, they were, it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. coalition. For some exactly. reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling. But the real story is far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. This is a picture of Victoria Newland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um... The, the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as Deputy Prime Minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you think in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Just imagine for a second that you're someone in power like Newland, someone who just spoke about these biolabs. We are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces. Right. So here she is currently speaking. Now, imagine you're this person and you know 
that you have on the record evidence of you verbally stating that you're going to put people in power in a government that you just overthrew when you're not supposed to have anything in, in you're not supposed to have a part in it. And that's on the record. I just played it for you. It's out there in the world. And she doesn't care. She's not a scared. She's not afraid of that because it doesn't matter. The facts don't matter. She's well aware that that's out there on the record. Imagine living that life and knowing that that's there, but you still pretend it's fake news. I mean, think about how incredible that is. Does that not, re does not e expose that the government and the media apparatus are across the board dishonest? Of course it does, because they all know that's there. We live in a manufactured reality. I mean, every single thing we think we, I mean, our media, our, everything. Historical events are completely manufactured, and we have to start realizing this. It's because they realize they can. Whether they're re-engineering realities of, of what we experienced in the past by altering things today, or whether they've manufactured things up until now. 9-11, Pearl Harbor. I mean, these are what these things are. And it's amazing that we're still struggling to admit these things to ourselves. It's just obvious. Yet, I've played that a hundred times. Storms, clouds, gatherings, make plenty of videos about these things. Plenty of other people can talk about them. And yet, it's fake news in the Western press circles. Nope, she didn't say that. Nope, there wasn't on-record discussions from the Estonian prime minister openly discussing the evidence that they saw that proved that they were actually people on the U.S. coalition government that shot protesters and blamed it on the other side. They knew that was the case. They covered it up. I mean, I just played it for you. This stuff is not even denied. It's just, they just say that's not even real. It's not there. We're not, we don't even see it. We're not even going to comment on it. Fake reality, guys. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Now, on top of that, somebody just shared this with me. This is Congress or rather a letter to Congress being signed by a bunch of members of Congress being sent to Pompeo in 2019. Guess what it says? This is, these are the same people in your government right now that are absolutely across the board standing up in support of the Ukrainian government. The same government they were writing about right here. Here's what it says. The Honorable Mike Pompeo, which is a ridiculous way to start that. The... Uh, we lie, we cheat, we steal, manipulator Pompeo. He says, we write to ask why the State Department has failed to include certain overseas violent white supremacist extremist groups on the foreign terrorist organization list. Now, here's the point. They were more than happy to include the Russian imperial movement, despite the fact <coughs> that the evidence they had, which is a stretch of the imagination for what they did, was in fact for another group they worked with and they couldn't even prove they were part of it. And the group they did work with that was on the surface a part of it, they didn't even include in the list. The point is, what group are they pointing at that they didn't include? The Azov Battalion. The recent attack in Germany, which killed two innocent people, is just the latest example of the white supremacist terrorism. Like the previous shooters in Christchurch, New Zealand, the attack in Halle was live-streamed and the killer posted a hateful anti-Semitic manifesto in this cast of German. All this stuff ties back to the group we're talking about, guys. So does Charlottesville and all these things they were building. Is it, are you surprised that they tie back to the group they've been building, arming and funding, just like happened in Syria? You live in a false reality, guys. They are building things to use against you. Now it says, let's just cut to the chase. I'm, I'm already realizing we're going longer than I wanted today. Today's attack, uh, they're talking about these the attacks in general. The point is today, if an American citizen swears allegiance to the ISIS, for instance, and spreads the message of terror, there are several resources available to the federal government to counter that threat. However, if that same American swears allegiance to a violent white supremacist extremist group based overseas and spreads their message of terror, the federal government does not have access to the same tools. My point is, guys, this was part of the agenda. They were already building the narrative around why it was a present threat in the United States. I, that's not the reality. But what are they pointing to? We'll get to it. 
For those that are out there worried we're building the whites, we're not on the side of this white supremacist narrative, guys. This is an illusion. It says terrorism is terrorism, except that's not the reality, right? Because the moment it's the terrorism they support, like the moderate rebels or the white supremacists in Ukraine, on a dime, they suddenly support them. Now, I stand with them. Now, every single one that signed this letter is currently, I stand with Ukraine right now. Think about how dumb that is. I'm sorry, I haven't even gotten there yet. Hold on. So it says, uh, okay, Terror, it says, on September 10th, 2019, the Committee on Homeland Security received testimony regarding the nexus between white supremacists in the United States and foreign organizations. This was the same point Whitney and I were discussing, except people are right now just casually omitting the fact they were pointing to the very group that's currently being leading the charge in Ukraine. Now it says the criteria for inclusion, uh, where was it? I was going to read the whole thing, but I'm trying to jump to the end. For example, here we go. The Azov Battalion is a well-known, well, let me highlight for some reason, a well-known ultra-nationalist militia organization in Ukraine that openly welcomes neo-Nazis into its ranks. That's the right now. The group is so well-known, in fact, isn't it amazing how the narrative changes? So well-known, in fact, that the 115th Congress of the United States stated in its 2018 omnibus, omni, om, omnibus spending bill that none of the funds made available by this act may be used outside the arms and training as a, as a battalion. Guess what's amazing? Even Congress is apparently either lying or failing to include the fact that before the bill even actually went into effect, that they removed that quietly and allowed them to be funded. Fact. I've discussed it many times on the show. I forget what article it was that made that clear. I'm trying to remember. It doesn't matter. I, you, I, you guys bring it up for me. Put it in the chat. We've talked about this many times. It's amazing, isn't it? That even this letter doesn't address the fact that they did end up funding them. But the point was nonetheless the same, that they pretended not to fund them because they were openly terrible. Now it says the United Nations has even chronicled human rights abuses and incidents of this group, torture in this group's relatively short history. This entire time, they have been funded and armed and supported by the U.S. government. You need to understand that. Fact. Easy to prove. Despite these facts, Azov has been recruiting, radicalizing, and training American citizens for years. Like, think about how ridiculous it is that right now they're going, yeah, yeah, the Azov Battalion's bad, but that's not the real problem. Russia's the problem. They're now admitting that's happening. Admitting. Despite this being stated on the record in 2019. Despite these facts, Azov has been recruiting, radicalizing, and training Americans for years. And according to FBI investigation, they know this and didn't include them in the foreign. Why wouldn't they include them in the, in the, the FTO, the foreign terrorist organization list? How does that make sense to anybody? It only makes sense when you realize they're the terrorists they want to use. Therefore, they don't include them on the list. The Christchurch, New Zealand, oh, uh, where was it? Right here. The New, in New Zealand was a turning point, they say, in this manifesto, in Christchurch, the shooter claimed he'd trained with the Azad Battalion. Oops, Christchurch, Charlottesville. How is it that the focal points of the whole white supremacist threat in the U.S. both tie back to the Azov Battalion the CIA was funding? This is the most obvious. They are desperate to not let people see this right now. How obvious is this? He also routinely wore a neo-Nazi symbol associated with both the Azov Battalion and other groups. Now, both other shooters also said they were directly influenced by what happened in Christchurch. The link between Azov and the acts of terror in America is undeniably clear. Apparently, your Congress cares about it then, doesn't care about it today. How does that make sense? 
the Trump administration is basically part of this. Now, here's the main point, guys. Mentions two neo-Nazi groups. The rise, the, the Nordic resistance movement, who's part of the it's Nordic resistance movement, is also type, part of this whole point we're making, and you to use violence to, it, with the intent to destabilize societies. And it says, as you know, our allies are taking steps to address the threat posed by this problem. Uh, and here it is. I'm just trying, trying to skip through it pretty quickly. Now it says they have links to American neo-Nazi groups, including groups that James Alex Fields belonged to when he drove his car into protesters in Charlottesville. Canada also recently added international neo-Nazi groups to its federal list of outlawed terror groups. Charlottesville was the rise above movement. That is the direct arm of the Azov Battalion in the United States. I'll, I'll show you next. Or in fact, it's, well, it's further down here, but it's right here. The rise above movement is literally the international arm of the Azov Battalion. This is the expert speaking with Newsweek before this started. This is January 2022. Now, finally, it says, this is not the first time Congress inquired about the State Department's treatment of overseas terrorist organizations. Mike Pompeo, uh, they basically wrote to Mike Pompeo addressing the global threat of this, what they claim is a global threat. They, they, clearly, they have a hand in building. But it's saying it's imperative we understand how the State Department values these threats. Bottom line, guys, they are clearly saying what's happening in Ukraine is a huge deal that you're willfully ignoring. But here we are. Now, this is only accessible on the Wayback Machine. Ask yourself why. House.gov. Now, take a look down here. Take a look at every single one of these people. Take a look at every one of their names and check right now what they're currently talking about, and you'll find it incredibly contradictory to what they were saying here. Meanwhile, don't rec recognize that you can prove that the same battalion is not only still there, it's, it's completely immersed throughout the entire government, the military, the police force, everything. They know that. So explain that to me. This was meant to be stated because they were building the narrative, in my opinion. Now the narrative shifted, so now they go the other direction. These people are sheep, and they may not even know it. Here is a really important point that comes from Vanessa Bealey. Now, by the way, guys, this has been very, you could, this has been shown to be true. There's a lot of evidence around this, but Vanessa Bealey, like many others, Eva Bartlett, Patrick Lancaster, these people are getting you information directly from the ground. You are not seeing this in reverse. Take a listen to what this guy says. This is a military veteran who is, who went over there into the guys that he thought he was fighting for freedom. Here's what he actually found. Now, yes, before it starts, could this be fake? Of course it could. Could this guy be a Russian shill lying? Of course it could. We don't know that, though. So this is just a data point who Vanessa Bealey has vindicated, who's on the ground saying this stuff, but you should question it yourself. But when you realize that you're ignoring actual evidence because you don't know, while blindly acknowledging and taking at face value other claims without any evidence because you're supposed to, recognize how stupid that is. Now this is an important argument, guys. And listen to what he's talking about in regard to what they're doing to people that don't want to fight for them anymore. So for any of those who are wondering what is going on, all right, we were part of the Georgia National Legion, the 102nd Ukrainian Territorial Defense. Georgia National Legion, we've talked about, right? Exactly my point. A recognizable extremist group that's part of the white supremacist mentality. I've proven this to you in previous shows. So here they are. They've even been documented by the U.S. government in the past. 
we can prove yet again, these are groups that are being worked alongside that people are running over there to work alongside openly white supremacist entities. And he's basically proving that to you right now. Legion, the 102nd Ukrainian Territorial Defense. Okay. Our base got fucked up. The base right next to us got fucked up. Oh, I apologize. M earmuffs for the family, for those that are watching with their families. I, I, did, I forgot to say that. I apologize. There's a few cuss curse words throughout this. Americans, British, tons of British dead. All right. They're not saying nothing. They're counting our dead as their dead. So in case you missed it, because I paused it, he said a bunch of British dead. So for those Br British citizens out there, he's telling you, he's telling you that they are having a lot of casualties and they're just covering it up and saying it's the other side, which by the way, happens on all sides in pretty much every war. But if you are a Briton and you care about the facts and realize they're fighting alongside a white supremacist entity that they've been manufacturing and they're just hiding those deaths anyway, that should really upset you. They're trying to send us to Kiev with no fucking weapons, no kit, no fucking plates. The people who are lucky enough to get weapons are only getting magazines with like 10 fucking rounds, okay? When they wanted to send us to Kiev, we said no. Our whole group, a bunch of Americans, Canadians, British. So they told us we had to get the fuck out or they were going to shoot us in the back, all right? They threatened to shoot their volunteers in the back if they didn't leave because they weren't fighting for them. Don't forget, we already have evidence that they tried to shoot people in the back who wanted to flee to the Russian side, which, by the way, seems to contradict that this is the bad guy Russia side, right? How we have 18,000 people, at least in the beginning, that fled to Russia from Ukraine, which seems to suggest that they weren't being bombed by Ukraine if they ran for cover in Russia. Or on top of the fact that this was one of the stories that was reported by Western press in the beginning, that this was a Ukrainian military unit that fled to Russia and the Ukrainian government tried to shoot them in the back. Well, here you go. Here is vindication of that claim. Now, all of this is being ignored without any look at all by the Western press because they have a narrative to sell you. So me, this British guy, and another American, we fucking hid in the back of an ambulance to get out. We, we got to the border, and it, it was a whole nother mess. When you get to the border, anyone who has kit, anyone who has any military shit, they're fucking pulling you out of the line and they're sending you back to the front. This human, we got dropped off about five clicks from the fucking, uh... The point is, guys, you don't get to no longer volunteer for this democracy, right? So you go over there because you want to, because you believe you're fighting for a good cause. Then you quickly realize these people are disgusting, bad people. So you try to leave and they force you back to the front line if they don't shoot you in the back. Right. Now, sure. I, no, look, I believe this has been vindicated. You should do your own due diligence. The point is, this has already been shown to be the case by plenty of other examples. Does this sound like what a democracy does? What people fighting for freedom do? This is what an authoritarian white supremacist CIA puppet regime does. And he's telling you. We've already made this clear by plenty of other examples. Just think about what they did to the other person, the, or the, the delegate that was shot in the back of the head outside the courthouse. And then pretend like we believe that they would take Russian... POWs and treat them medically and then let them talk about how Russia bad guy, right? None of this adds up in regard to what they're saying is happening, I mean. From the border and we walked. Uh off about five clicks from the fucking uh from the border and we walked. Um and we get to the border in this humanitarian group with a bunch of ex-SF veterans from England. Uh, pull us to the side and say, you need to get, like, pulled us out and fucking, like, hit us. And they were like, 
really, that's incredibly important. He's telling you that other Western military personnel on the ground are saying, you, you're in trouble. Get out of here. Like it's a, with, with the humanitarian group, they're recognizing that they're in trouble. Like how this, this is the reality on the ground that everybody seems to be aware of that nobody's talking about. Same like with COVID-19 when all the doctors were terrified to say the truth. Same thing now. There's plenty of people that are well aware that we're being deceived and are just terrified to speak up because they're going to be called terrorists. They're going to be called anti-American. They're going to be called Russian shills or Russian apologists or whatever happens in the fervor of their propaganda, just like every other situation that we seem to not be able to reconcile in our minds while it's happening. That's what we're talking about. These are bad people. And the other military, even from the UK, we're going, come on, come here, come here, come here. We need to get you out of here. Hide your military uniforms, put it away. And this is what happened. Like you need to dump all your kit. Yeah. They're pulling people out, cutting up passports, sending them back. Cutting up So passports. we dumped our shit. We got like in all of our fucking, we got in like Red Cross vests and they had like fucking humanitarian passes to get us through the Ukrainian border. They lied. People need to stop coming here. It's a trap and they're not letting you fucking leave. The best way to leave is like in a Vic or a car or something. People who get on by vehicle have a better chance of hiding their fucking kit in the back, doing whatever the fuck they can, but do not try to leave Ukraine on foot if you're a volunteer. It's a mess and it's, it, it's a trap. And I have multiple people who can confirm this story for me. Now, we've gone through more than enough evidence to back up what he's saying. The bottom line is, if the other personnel on the ground are uh, and they are are shuttling them out secretly by hiding what they look like, and 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 you know, I mean, this is incredible. This is what your government supports. Now, I plead with you to question this, question me, question what you're looking at, guys. But you need to recognize that there is an overwhelming. Uh, waterfall of evidence explain, proving to you that that's what these people are and always have been and have not changed. The only difference is the Western apparatus has been spun into a propagandized state where they're screaming, I stand with Ukraine and nothing else is allowed. That's what's happening. It's incredible. I urge you to keep following Vanessa Bealy and plenty of others. As it says down here in the message, as he says, it's a trap. They're cutting up your passports and sending us to the front. God, it's American. It's an American volunteer. Now reflect on the fact, if you're a Canadian especially, so many Canadian fighters in Ukraine, they have their own battalion fighting for a white supremacist government. Discussing people volunteering in the, in the situation they're in. Here's the Epoch Times saying, I eyewitness account of volunteer fighter at Ukraine military base where Russian airstrike killed 35. Now, remember, this is a claim coming from a person coming from a Ukrainian government official. I'm not saying it didn't happen. What I'm saying is it's amazing that it just was one person saying this happened. And then that gets parroted by all the Western press. Now, same kind of thing here. I'm not saying this is false, but I'm saying this is a, a an individual who's telling Epoch Times what he saw. That's the, that's the breadth of the evidence. So, that's not today, especially that does not seem like a very solid place to report from. But here's what it says. Shortly after 6 a.m., the first missiles hit the base and then chaos. Everybody ran for the woods. It was terribly chaotic. Sort of seems like what the American was telling us, right? They're just out of, out of their depth. There was no command structure. Some people were running around. Others were screaming. It was horrible. One of the foreign volunteers 
stationed at the base told the Epoch Times. So here's our point to make sure we understand that there is foreign volunteers coming from all over the place, from Syria, from the UK, from Canada, from the United States. They are bringing in Americans and normal people from other places, but they're also bringing in extremists from the places they've already worked with. And this has been shown multiple times already. But what my point in this, first of all, is we're talking about the Yaraviv location, which is the location where they have one of these labs and also one of these places where they have uh, a military installation, which they've already admitted is where they're housing the foreign people that are coming and even admits it in this article. But one thing that seems to continue to argue is that there's a bunch of civilians and people are fleeing. And if that is the case, recognize two things. One, that they've continued to arm and use children, women, and civilians to fight. So then when these things happen, I told you this was going to happen. I called this, and you guys remember. When now people start getting attacked, they go, they're hurting civilians and children. Did they have a gun in their hands? Doesn't that seem seemingly change the dynamic a little bit? Now, on top of that, on, even on top of that, if these are places that are being used as military installations and they have civilians there, that's the fault of the Ukraine military. I'm not saying I agree with the war or that people are bombing or civilians are being hurt. My stance is always the same. War is bad from every angle. None of them should be doing this. But you can recognize that Russia, in this case, has a ju- their reason is justifiable. You understand at the very least because of what the U.S. has been doing, because of these obvious extremists that we just proved to you are extremists and what they're doing to the Donbass people. But now, my point simply is that you understand their logic. But my point is if they've got civilians on the ground in these areas, you would, you would have to point at it and say, well, the Ukraine military allowing children and women and people to be at a location where they are training military personnel seems like an unwise choice. But nonetheless, it probably is intentional to lay at the feet of Russia. Now, it says the training base was used to station foreigners who came to fight for Ukraine. That's, and it's, of course, anonymous source. But think about how real that is. We're talking about the people we just told you are there. The soldiers who survived the blast were told to head to the nearby forest and dig in. Seriously? The soldiers were told to flee into the forest? The volunteer fighter told the Epoch Times this. Later, they were given the choice to return to their home countries or stay. Well, that's clearly not what's happening. So I don't believe that. The man decided to go home, shocked by the reality of war and too terrified to continue. This sounds like the Epoch Times being told something that is essentially towing the line. That's my opinion. I mean, we've seen multiple sources from multiple directions all telling you. I mean, geez, the Western press already reported that the Ukraine government tried to shoot the people in the back that were fleeing. This was right when this started. And now we've got an American on the ground telling you the same thing. I don't believe this for a second. My opinion, come to your own conclusions. But my point is, nonetheless, that the narrative they're trying to float is still that they're using this base to train foreigners. The International Peacekeeping and Security Center, which is what they call it, hosted NATO drills. Well, there you go. My point in the beginning of this was NATO was conducting drills inside Ukraine, right along the border of Russia. Why is that not a huge red line? They just admitted it to you right there, including multiple NATO allies. 15 miles from Ukraine's border with Poland, which, by the way, we're going to get to Poland next, which is another example of how they're building something they're going to use to blame Russia for. Since the start of the war, the center has become a training ground for foreign volunteers who came to fight for Ukraine. They came from Portugal, France, England, Germany, Austria, Poland, Czech Republic, Hungary, as well as the United States, as well as Syria. They left that one out. The volunteer fighter said he didn't receive much training at the base. He believes Russians determined the facility's location from photos of the base that were posted to social media. 
despite a prohibition on activity like that. Right. Because we know how much the prohibitions around war are followed by the West. Like chemical weapons, biological weapons, white phosphorus, depleted uranium, or anything they even care to do that violates any rule whatsoever they don't care about. Because we, we know how they, come on, it's, I can't even make a joke about it. They don't care about anything if it goes against what they're trying to accomplish. My point is that apparently with Russia, bad guy, for looking at social media posts that they post online, they're not allowed to look at. If that even happens. My point is simply that if they're posting locations of their bases on Facebook, they're ridiculous. It says, our own ignorance, ignorance led to our demise. Yeah, it's a good point. The woman who cooked for the station at the facility said, uh, as did some of the men who served there, uh, according to the newspaper, who said that he was sh she was shocked to see, shocked to be so near the carnage of war. If this woman was there as a civilian, that's the fault of Ukraine. Are we going to pretend that Russia was aware that they were civilian? And if that was the, I mean, just there's a lot of undiscussed points there. Bottom line, what I think this shows you is that they are, in fact, using these locations to train foreign fighters, which is exactly what we just discussed, as plenty of sources have already discussed. 450, in fact, foreign extremists from Idlib. There are other freedom fighter location, right? This is what's happening. And you could listen to my discussion right here. Al-Qaeda fighting for Ukraine. Not This is the new Syria, guys. That's what's happening. Now, let's get into some more evidence on the ground that you're not going to see on reverse. This is another post from Vanessa Bealey. Make sure you follow her Telegram channel. As it says, Donbass refugees share their memories of eight years of war waged against them by the white supremacist Ukrainian puppet regime. It's, these are some sad realities, guys, and it's, been, it's still happening, but it's been ongoing since long before this supposedly started. A shell hit my flat. I live on the fifth floor. Everything burned. 73-year-old from, from, from Lugansk. They began shooting from our building, from our kitchen. We said, what are you doing? They replied, don't worry, everything will be all right. Three dead bodies, the building burned down. No one was left out in order to save us. There were young, handsome men and beautiful young girls without legs or arms. They're all talking about the, the Ukrainian government offensive against, their, against the Donbass region. We were hiding in basements wherever we could, right? Again, they'll make a con they'll, they'll they'll discuss basements and children for a week straight when when they're told it's happening from Ukrainian government. But here we have eight years constant of this happening with photo journalists on the ground reporting this, which we'll get into in a minute, which have been attacked and killed by the Ukrainian government for reporting the facts on the ground. Yep, and that was reported by the Atlantic Council, even though it was under the control of the U.S. government. But today we don't talk about it. Apparently, these people hiding in basements don't matter. Again, we're not talking about the Ukrainian government, mind you. I lost my friends. I lost a lot of them to fight. It's just, it's, it's, it's infuriating that people are ignored. I don't understand. She says. 
shoot, come on, there we go. I don't understand why Ukraine is doing this to us, she says. Even though we are the same, we are also, we also used to be Ukrainians. It doesn't, it doesn't, because they don't agree, they want to ethnically cleanse these people. It's exactly what the Zionist Israeli regime is doing to the Palestinians and everybody else they don't like. It's obvious. We were born there and lived all our lives there. We are refugees from the Donetsk. The conditions here are very good. And this is in Russia we're talking about, right? They are refugees that are being taken care of in Russia, despite the fact that what they pretend is that they're trying to hurt them there. There's no evidence of that. I'm very grateful to Russia for helping us. Now, could all this be fake? Yes, it could. Sure. But I would sure need evidence to prove that, wouldn't I? Except that's not what people need to dismiss it without any due diligence. Here's another very sad video. Now I, now, I caution you all, this is great. It is blurred out, but this is very, I would still call it graphic and very sad. Here's Vanessa Bealey reporting, the BBC will not generate outrage about this attack, just as they were silent about the terrorist attacks in Syria. What you're going to see is horrifying footage from downtown Donetsk, exactly what Patrick Lancaster's already shown you, where a Ukrainian ballistic missile killed at least 23 civilians, among them a child. And for all those the fake news hypocrites that will happily buy fake news from one side but ignore real evidence from the other, this is from v- Vanessa's friend on the ground, Giorgio Bianchi, Bianchi, in Donetsk. And we'll go to Patrick Lancaster next. Now, I warn you guys, this is sad. So brace yourselves. Ah! Ah! Now, the sad reality here, though, to be to, to, is always is that the emotional part of that, as much as it will influence your opinion, shouldn't. It's about the facts. But the, the sad reality, guys, is that this is happening and has been happening in the Donbass region verifiably for eight years. And people just don't care because they've chosen a side. Now, whether you want to think that that's fake or not, it's actually happened a thousand times over proven. But why? Is that video or that evidence discussed by plenty of other locations dismissed without due diligence while with other evidence is taken at face value with, with or you same point as I just fumbled my words. It's just, this is upsetting to me that people would dismiss this because it came from a source they don't like while blindly taking at face value places, things that are being stated by governments that have lied to you endlessly. As I said, why do the lives of lives of the Donetsk people, Donetsk people, not matter? BBC, do you only report secondhand claims coming from openly extremist Ukrainian government? This has been happening to them for eight years. Now here comes a lady, literally named Karen, who says, "Tell the full story and post a screenshot of Wikipedia." This was my point from before. Let's read what it says. Well, apparently, the full story, according to her is the war in Donbass, or the Donbass War, is an armed conflict of the Donbass region of Ukraine. Well, first of all, 
<clears throat> well, let's just leave that alone because obviously they're fighting back now. Part of the border rush, the Russo-Ukrainian war. In March 2014, immediately following the Euro Maiden protest movement, which we just proved to you, was snipers shooting people from the U.S. backside and framed as the other side in order to carry out a revolution to remove the government and put a puppet in place. They're on the record saying this. You cannot deny that anymore. They knew it and they didn't care. She doesn't know that because Wikipedia didn't tell her. Immediately following this lie, protests by pro-Russian anti-government separatist groups took place in Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts of the, the areas of Ukraine, collectively called the Donbass. Now, what they were, were simply protests for their own independence, which has been clearly documented. These demonstrations began around the same time as Russia's annexation of Crimea, which was a referendum where they overwhelmingly voted to, go, to join Russia for the same reason, because they were running from the openly white supremacist violent government that was trying to hurt them and openly said they wanted to hurt them. But again, Wikipedia left that part out and were part of the pro-Russian protests across southern and eastern Ukraine, declaring the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic armed Russian-backed separatist groups seized government buildings throughout the Donbass. Now, this is a very clear misrepresentation of what happened. And of course, most of that's generally correct, but leaves out the full context. So her point in saying tell the full story is to put an image up of something that is woefully under, uh, not the full story, or woefully missing facts. But even the, the sad part of it is what she said there doesn't even seem to undermine what I'm talking about. She just simply chooses to believe that what I'm saying is fake because that's what the narrative is. And I guess ask yourself this, why discussing how they're not discussing what's been happening for eight years and showing what the video of that, why that's not the full story. Didn't I say what's been happening for eight years? All you did was point out that they revolted. Her point is that in her mind, the Russian, the Ukrainian side, the good guy. So the fact that they're armed rebellion would imply they're bad. That's the only way I could take this because otherwise you're simply going, well, yeah, they're revolting. The point is they're fighting against a bad guy group to use their childish terminology. Now, here's what I said. My God, and you post a Wikipedia screenshot? The site that's not even allowed as a citation for college papers? Stop allowing yourself to be propagandized. I show you footage that you should question, but is definitely evidence, and you point to narrative. Well done. And I point a link to something that says Wikipedia is not allowed by colleges, which you should still know up until this point. And she simply goes, I'm aware Wikipedia can't be edited, can be edited by anyone. Are you, are, are we going to share posts now trying to outdo each other? We prove it. No, as I said, I was never going to do that. I'm not, I'm not one of these two party ridiculous idiots that's going to share posts back and forth from your narratives and act like you're both right. I said, if you care to see source material, which I always post without fail, tune in. But sadly, many have simply already made up their minds like you, I would argue. I, for one, allow the data, not narrative to guide me. Hopefully you can do the same. Now, I, let's, I don't believe there was any response, not like it should matter, to be quite honest. But let's see if somebody quoted something. Oh, thanks, David, for pointing it out. The reality, though, guys, is this is the equivalent. This is the breakdown of the narrative. So because Wikipedia writes things that say the opposite, you think that's valid in contradiction to an open video of people dying? Are you kidding me? I mean, God damn it. That is like the word. It makes me want to punch a hole in the wall. What is wrong with us? I'm not saying you just because of video, you should believe it. My point is, why is this taken by her side as the fact, but this not? Both should be questioned, guys. Now, let's make another quick point about Wikipedia. Here's your buddy Juan Guaido. Remember him? 
for a very long time, he was the legit president of Venezuela, according to the Western press. I mean, literally went to a point to where they just called him the president, even though in the beginning they tried to waffle about interim and, you know, that how he took it, right? You know, was elected president. I mean, they played all these word games until they got kind of embarrassed and caught and like, well, he wasn't elected, but he was interim president. And they kind of towed this line. But there was a moment which they just called him the president. They even said elected. We all remember. They're embarrassed by the story right now. And I'm going to prove it to you. Here's what it said. January 14th, 2019. He was declared the interim president of Venezuela on the 11th, January, 2019. And uh, it says after being sworn in for a Maduro for a second term for president, though Maduro is still believed to be in power. That's the gist of it, right? This, this unknown nameless puppet who had nothing of any concern. I mean, this guy was no, faceless before this happened. And they said, he's interim president and everybody around the world parroted here. And the point is, oh, wait, actually, I went, uh, oh, whoops, I did that backwards. Sorry, guys. Wait, hold on a second. This, the... Oh, okay, I see what I did there. So the point, I am I'm I'm, did it backwards. The point is, here we are, where it says, just 18 days after he was chosen to lead the assembly, Juan Guaido announced on January 23rd that he was formally assuming the role of interim president. He's received formal recognition of legitimacy of almost 60 governments worldwide, including the United States, Canada, various Latin America. So the point was, they were just all about it. He, he is the president, he's the president, he's the president. Sorry, I believe I'm hearing the tornado horn outside my window. That's not that's not great. But now the point is, guys, that this is the this is the person that they wanted you to believe was the president. Up until the moment when they just now had to go back crawling on their knees to Maduro and let us take some oil from you. The group that they called illegitimate, the guy who they said wasn't even the legitimate president, but now they need something from him, so they just throw this guy to the side. He doesn't matter anymore. My point is that Wikipedia is a joke, and it can say whatever they want it to say, whatever their narrative is that day. Now, let me, let me, uh, there was another point I was going to make, but we're about, I'm mad at myself for going over two hours today. I knew I could have done this shorter. Trust me, I hear your concerns about how long I go on these, sometimes when it's unnecessary. I do get it. There's a lot that I do talk about, like I'm doing right now, but we get into things on the side. But a lot of you enjoy that. And the point is, I'm just trying to make it shorter in, in general. But going forward, my point is, Juan Guaido can become the president and for, to the next day, become literally nothing, depending on what they want you to think. Now, taking this to the next point, the citizens writing, how many lives has the war in Donbass taken? Sorry, I, I got my in case I didn't put a fine point on the thing before. The point is right now we know that they're working with Maduro because they need him. Before, but, the, but seconds later, he can be the president of Wikipedia to going to just kind of quietly dismissed. That's how this works for the point before about Donbass and whatever else. But here's the a point from the citizen. How many lives has the war in Donbass taken? Well, it says since 2014, about 9,000 civilians have been killed in Donbass. Such data were presented, and this was written uh, in 2022. This was, this was February 20, 20th. Such data were presented at the press conference, scorched memory of Donbass, war crimes of the Ukrainian army, and new data on the massacres of the civilian population. According to the representatives of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the self-proclaimed Luhansk Pub People's Republic, uh, Anna Soroka, more than 2,000 civilians, including 35 children, were killed during the conflict in the Republic. 3,365 were injured, including 88 minors. Now, as so you can see a contrast right there. So just like always, you got the Donbass people, specifically Lugansk, saying way less than what the data reports from the international perspective, which means that I guess probably trying to undermine how many people got killed so it looks like they weren't hurt as bad. 
usually somewhere in the middle. Now, all of this is uh, fake news, according to the Western press today. Except here's the interesting part. Here's what Wikipedia still says right now. And it's interesting who they cite as the point. Now, we have to remember, this has been cited by the United Nations. It's been cited by a lot of people. But I'm surprised it hasn't been edited in Wikipedia right now, because it will probably in a moment, probably right after the show, because they're right now trying to frame this as fake news. But here's what it says, the casualties of the Russo-Ukrainian war. It says the overall number of confirmed deaths in the war. At first, it seems to sound like everybody, but you'll see where it's not. It's just P. It's, these are just Donbass people. Which started on April 6, 2014, has put at, at 13,100 to 13,300 deaths by January 31st, 2021, according to the Ukrainian government. 14,000 were killed by May 13, 2021. So take note down here. First claim of the total fatalities is 14,000, and that's the Ukrainian government themselves. The puppet regime by the U.S. government, being run by the U.S. government, is openly saying 14,000 were killed. Right beneath that, in regard to just civilians, the United Nations is openly citing 3,393 civilians killed in Donbass. You can't hide from these numbers, guys. These are the people that are being killed in Donbass. You can't pretend like that's fake news. Now, here's what it says, and this is why my point the, the, and you, again, you could argue that from the white supremacist Azov battalion Ukrainian government side, that they would overshoot the numbers. And from the Donbass side, they would undershoot them, like I just said. But nonetheless, here's what it reads. Initially, the known number of Ukrainian military casualties varied widely due to the Ukrainian army drastically understating its casualties. That happens in every war anywhere from both sides. As reported by medics, activists, and soldiers on the ground, as well as at least one lawmaker. But here's the point. Several medical officers... Look, it's funny. Like, I didn't look at the, what the image they were just showing right there. Or was that? Oh, damn it. Accidentally went over one of these. Oh, well. The one it was showing, by the way, just then when I was hovering was, over, was the, right, the, right, the right sector. But it goes on to say several medical officials reported that they were overstretched due to the drastic number of casualties. We're talking about Donbass here, guys. Donbass. That's where this is happening. Eventually, the Ukrainian Defense Ministry stated that the numbers recorded by the National Museum of Military History were the official ones, although still incomplete, with 4,629 deaths cataloged by December 1st. That is the Ukrainian military. So let me be clear. On the record, the Ukrainian military is saying we have had 4,629 deaths. Meanwhile, simultaneously, the Ukrainian military is claiming 14,000 were killed in Donbass. They're talking about people they killed in Donbass. That's on the record. The United Nations is willing to point out 3,393 civilians they killed in Donbass. This was on the record. But apparently now it's fake news because we're not allowed to talk about it. How in the world can 14,000 people, at least 3,393 civilians in Donbass be killed when this war isn't supposed to be happening? These are civilians, as even the UN points out. Eight years this has been ongoing, but we're only allowed to talk about what, what's happening right now? Think about how disgusting this is. They all know this is here. All of them. Or they're too stupid or too dense or willfully ignorant to look. Either way, these people are liars. Now here's some more evidence on the ground. Here's a new video from Patrick Lancaster. Shelling attack hits Donetsk, Donetsk destroying home. My guess is going to be these videos won't play. Let's find out. 
So right now we are on the street, Pinecroft of a uh, house. Jeez. I'm Patrick Lancaster. Come on. Right now we are on the street, Pinecroft of a uh, house number one. And as you can see behind me, uh, this home has been burnt. A shell came down here and it hit this uh, home and we're going to see what's left inside, but we can see there is a lot of damage here. And this isn't the first time this home has been hit. The uh, elderly woman who lives here, her husband was killed by uh, shelling in 2014 at the same house. How many times do people have to rebuild? Now we're right. Sounds like a similar discussion to Palestine, doesn't it? These people have been living like this for eight years Think about, again, just like with Palestine, think about what it's like to be attacked, murdered, to watch your family get killed in front of you, and then to be called the terrorist, right? To be called the Russian extremist fighting against the democracy of Ukraine. Imagine what that does to you. In fact, that makes an extremist exactly their point. This is happening. Easy to verify. They will never point to this stuff. Here is March 14th. Dozens killed by Ukrainian cluster bomb attack on the center of Donetsk. Center Donetsk has just been hit by uh, shelling, it seems. Uh, not headed there. People are running through the streets looking to see what has happened. Shelling has just, shelling has just hit center uh, Donetsk. Uh, we see uh, behind me here all these uh, stores. Have been... Guys, this is stuff that you can check for yourself. This is the center of a populated area. There's no war. This is, this is a civilian location. This is being bombed by the white supremacist, neo-Nazi extremist government that's being armed and funded and directed by the people that you're, the U.S. government, the Western governments. That's what's happening. It's just sad that we can't wrap our mind around that for those that don't want to. Well, in the interest of time, I'm going to let you guys watch these for yourselves. Please keep track of Patrick Lancaster. I would really like to speak with him, but, you know, he's in the middle of a war zone, and he's one of the few people that are actually continuing to show you what's going on. First, Western journalist in Russia-controlled uh, area. I'll include this. You can watch for yourself. Basically, the, the area that they're talking about and accusing Russia of all sorts of things, you, you can look for yourself that it's quite contradictory to what they're saying. This is documentary by French journalist, Eight Years of War. Now, this is 53 minutes long. But I wanted, I wanted to include this, and I'll, I guess I can let you guys watch this for yourself. But the sad reality, guys, you can scroll through this and find some horrific realities of what's been got, ho- happening to these people on the ground. I mean, look at, the, look at what's behind him. This is long before Russia invaded Ukraine, right? How is, what's going on there? Are they bombing themselves? Speaking about a family member that was killed. I came here with my oldest daughter and husband. I mean, I, 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 this is horrific. I mean, you guys, it's 53 minutes. You should watch this for yourself. Sure. Could every single one of them be lying to you? Sure. Children, old people. What kind of country is this? These are all women telling you what they're actually doing. Children saying they don't get to see the sun anymore. Right. Eight years of this, but let's care only about one side. 
Look at these children. Are they terrorists? That's sure as hell the narrative they're trying to spin. Where they kill their own citizens. Right. That's the Ukraine government that your country is supporting. Well, here's a really interesting part of this from BBC report. Twitter is a part of the war effort, apparently, and they happily spin this really horrific discussion as a positive thing. This is coming directly from the Ukraine minister. Check this out. Oh, okay, God, I was going to say if it refreshed on me. Okay, so this is the Ukraine minister who's telling you what he's doing. They don't, they're not even trying to hide their open racism and their open aggression towards just average Russian people. And that's acceptable today. Right? This is exactly why it's okay for, for people in Germany to choose to just not treat Russian people anymore in the hospital. And they're okay with that. Nobody's calling that out. Nobody's screaming about how they're hurting racist. I mean, this is, it's openly contradictory to what they pretend they are because right now you're allowed to hate Russians. Now it says Fed, Fedorov, this is the minister, has more than half a million followers in total across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, and he uses all of them to get his message across. He says he speaks mostly in Ukrainian online, but since the crisis unfolded, guess what he's done? He switched over to English, of course. Why? Because they're aiming their propaganda at you. Why would that be the case? Sort of like when white white helmets have English writing on their vests. Why would that be? Because it's aimed at you, Americans, British. That's what it's aimed at. They want you to be manipulated. They're not trying to manipulate the Syrians. The Syrians know who they are. Ukrainians know who these people are. They know they're liars. They want you to believe them. Where he's having the most impact. Right? So it's totally okay to censor anybody Russian speaking because they are propaganda because Russia but you're allowing the Ukrainian government to openly say what they want as they get caught lying left and right. They don't care about that. Quote, he's, this is what he says. Twitter has become an efficient tool. <coughs> Excuse me. Twitter has become an efficient tool that we are using to counter Russian military aggression. Get this. He goes on to say, it's our smart and peaceful tool to destroy Russian economy. Oh, because that hurts Russian government? It hurts the Russian people. He's openly saying we are doing everything we can to destroy their economy because that has no effect on average Russian people, right? No, because they hate Russian people and they're open about that. They just don't report that part of it. He says using persuasion and propaganda is a time-honored tactic of warfare. This is BBC pointing out, but social media, since social media companies entered the equation in the 2000s, they have changed the calculus due to the spread and breadth with which people can disseminate their messages. So they're openly saying he's on Twitter persuading and propagandizing because that's okay as long as you're on the right side. Disgusting hypocrites. They, we all know that. Now, the, the spokeswoman told her, or told the writer, that with his young team was constantly coming up with new ideas, which the minister then tries to implement at speed. Guess what the new one is? Kiev announced it would issue NFTs. To fund the military. Of course they do. Speeding in the direction of the Great Reset, because that's still happening, don't forget. But also using uh, cryptocurrency. It says, uh, but it says, it says uh, announced it would use non-fungible tokens, but some others have been controversial. Leaving out what else they're going to do. He, he urged cryptocurrency exchanges to freeze the accounts of Russian citizens. Right. So the government? No, just bad guy Russian people that we just, that we hate and want to murder, as they've openly said on the record. But who cares about that fact? They're fighting for freedom and democracy if you listen to the Western press. So that's why you want to attack Russian people and their bank accounts? 
Yes. This is how they spin this. BBC knows this. They don't care because they're disgusting. And the ministry's launch of an IT army of Ukraine, including thousands of volunteer hackers from around the world. So now it's okay, apparently, to just use hackers and, and let them uh, unleash them against, the, against Russia. This is the cyber, the cyber pandemic. That's, what this, that's not happening on the other side. I'll even show you at the end where they go, yeah, Russia does this, but there's no evidence of it right now. Exactly. Chemical attacks and biological attacks are every Russia, 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 but there's no evidence. As we're watching Ukraine build their labs and do their, but well, that's there. We proved it. But the narrative is all we're concerned about because Russia bad guy. Do you not see that they're building everything they said was going to happen? Just saying Russia doing it though, even though we prove we're doing it. But in response to them, right? We're only doing it because of what we said they're doing and haven't proved it. Okay, so if we're actually taking facts, all we have is one group doing it. And the statement of somebody doing something we haven't proven. Yet we walk away going, Russia doing it, therefore they're doing it because of that. If you go along with that, you're deluding yourself. He's very clearly building a war, a, an army of hackers to unleash on the Russian government. And then when they something happens, probably by their hand too, they go, Russia did it because we know, because playbook. They're digital and online resources of the Russian and Belarusian business corp. It says, this is their quote. The IT army of Ukraine that's being directed by the white supremacist neo-Nazi government, we've proven to you, they're directing it against the digital and online resources of the Russian government? Nope. Of the Russian and Belarusian businesses, banks, state web portals. Oh, you mean like the portals that civilians use to access their, re their, their necessity? Yeah, who cares though? Because we hate Russians. BBC's not even saying anything. They don't even care. They're just telling you we're doing this. Because freedom, I stand with Ukraine. Let's attack Russian people. We have shut down the operations of web portals of the Russian public services. The exchange, websites of TASS, Kamersat, Fanaka, and other top media. So they've censored media. They've attacked public services. But we're okay with this, though, because we hate Russia right now, right? How do we not see this is revolting? How do we not see this is, like, like gruesomely hypocritical? Because people don't care. Because they've chosen a side. And right now, Russia, probably government. Your neighbor who's Russian, he's probably a Russian spy. That's how this is. This is the red scare all over again. And we're falling for it all. The party paradigm is falling for it all over again because they've been trained to do so. Like a clapping seal. They do it. They do exactly what they're driven into. Is it okay to attack Russian public services? Imagine, imagine if Russia attacked American public services and claimed they were doing it because the Russian, the U.S. government. Do you think that would fly? They would bleat for 30 years straight about how they attacked you. They went after your health services. They went after your, your social security. But no, this is okay though. And by the way, this is not the Russian government or the Ukraine government. This is a army of random hackers that they've hired and just unleashed because that's not going to have any lasting consequences, right? So far, the hacking seems to be mostly low-level cyber vandalism. Okay, so we're, we're just vandalizing things average people, civilians, bang, yeah, because that's okay. It also explicitly is calling for attacks on railways, power grid networks. Not a joke. If successful and disruptive enough, they could cause harm to civilians. Apparently, this is the most the BBC can muster against this. It makes some people uncomfortable, anxious. Can you imagine if this was happening in reverse? Can you imagine the kind of 
overwhelming propaganda we would see against Russia if this was even stated as possibly happening by the Ukraine government. But here we have absolutely gloating on the surface evidence of the Ukrainian government attacking civilian networks, civilian in, in services, attacking civilians, attacking media. No big deal because Russia sucks, right? God, these people are group disgusting. It's really important to be careful in this realm, says Susan Spaulding from the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Quote, if we get into destructive attacks on critical infrastructure being carried out by citizens, I think we begin to run the kinds of we we run into the kinds of fog of war, misattribution, misattribution, political cascading impacts that weren't anticipated. We might see retaliation from one side for something a citizen has done. Wow. You are a disgusting hypocrite. Somebody reach out to Susan Spaulding and make sure she understands what a gross person she is. We are literally watching her tell if we get into the kind of situation that we just explained is literally happening. And she knows that because I just said that. They're going, here's what we're doing. We're attacking civilian infrastructure. We're attacking power grids. We're attacking you. And she goes on to say, uh, you know, hypothetically, if we find ourselves in a position like this, that's literally happening in front of you and you know that. Well, well, uh, you know, we may end up in a situation where the kind of fog of war where we don't know what happened. You just read and state they just said we're doing it. We are doing this and we're aiming it at them. There's no there's no fog of war here. You're pathetic because you can't address the obvious because, you know, you'll be attacked for it. Gross. We might see retaliation from one side who got misattributed from the group that openly said we're doing it. God, I just can't get past how pathetically ridiculous these people are. On Friday, Ukraine's deputy chairman of the State Service of Special Communications, which works closely with that person's department in Ukraine, defended the decision to do exactly what she just equivocated about and pretended like it's kind of not happening. We don't know for sure. Not only did they say it, they came over the top and said, we're doing this because we hate Russian people. He said, we welcomed illegal cyber attacks on Russia from all groups, not the Russian government. On Russia in general, this is the Ukrainian government, BBC, happily reporting that we are openly calling for uh, hackers anywhere in the world to just disrupt Russia. And they're all okay with that. I mean, I'm literally baffled by this. Hacking, and here's their, here's their final call at the end, after they've basically just gone along with everything that's been said. Hacking is also being carried out against Ukraine by people sympathetic to Russia. That's it. They can't even prove it's the Russian government. And by the way, if you read this yourself, it's pathetic. We're talking about people that are just cyberbullying. Oh, you mean like the, like the group that got painted yellow and blue on their Russian area because they're Russian? Oh, we didn't talk about that part of it, though. We're talking about people online cyberbullying on Twitter. But that's, look at that. People that are sympathetic to Russia. Is it bad to be sympathetic to Russia? That's basically what they're saying. So as long as we know that we hacking, which we'll call hacking, which is not even hacking, is being carried out against people on Ukraine that are sympathetic to Russia, but currently Russia seems to be coming off worse. So their argument is because it appears that Russia is coming off worse, but we can't prove that. We're okay with overwhelmingly illegal action that's targeting civilians. BBC should not even be allowed to speak. I mean, this is pathetic. It's crank military hackers crack, excuse me, appear so far to have not played a major role for reasons that are unclear. That's how they finish this? So we have zero evidence that Russia's doing anything. We don't even know why. 
But because we know that their playbook does this all the time, we're okay essentially equivocating overt criminal activity against Russian civilians. I mean, guys, this isn't even, uh, they should be no longer allowed to speak. BBC should be a, this should be a crime. They are complicit. But nobody cares. By the way, on top of that, China is openly saying right now, and I question it like anything else, that China's computers are being hacked right now by the U.S. government to attack Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus. They're using Chinese computers, they're claiming, to, to carry out cyber attacks on people, basically to blame Russia. That's how this works out. Now, I'm going to go ahead and let you read this for yourself. The bottom line is, what they're simply saying here, is that cyber, uh, after analysis, most of the addresses for these attacks came from the United States. And what they're saying is cyber attacks have been a major port attention, point of tension between China. Now, this could just be American people, or it could be somebody outside of the United States making it look like the United States. We should consider these things. But it says about 87% of cyber attacks, according to Russia, coming from China, are tailored or aimed at Russia. My point is, you should question this. They could be lying. But as always, the theme of the entire discussion you should ask for evidence from both sides. Now, to attempt to wrap this up reasonably quickly, two Fox News journalists killed in Ukraine. This was on. This is the, on the side point of this article. You can see it right here. Two Fox News journalists. Two, huh? Two of them. Well, let's let's look at the article right out of the gate. Well, you'll find out quite quickly that's not what it says. So, why would they write two? to catch your attention when it turns out that they're not actually what's ha- that's not what happened. Fox News cameraman, that's one, and a Ukrainian journalist killed in Kiev. Great, so it's not a Fox News journalist. Even if they were working alongside Fox News or helping them with certain things, it's just, they just lie. They don't care. They can't even, they just, they're saying what gets your attention. Now, the point in this story, as it says, is, but well, first of all, their argument is this person died. Now, as far as I can tell, he did. But with what we know about Ren- with Renaud, the other journalist, how that's already been shown to be a lie, and how there's been a lot of other evidence of the kind of attacks coming from Ukraine on journalists, I don't know why we wouldn't ask whether there's something fishy going on here. Irish Prime Minister Michael Martin said he was deeply disturbed by the killing of the, of the woman journalist here from Ukraine, who was an Irish citizen. Oh, is he, he's deeply concerned? What's interesting is they're not deeply concerned about the other things that are happening around the world, that plenty of other Irish uh, uh, members of parliament haven't speaking about. You've seen the you've seen the clips of Richard Boyd and plenty of others. They don't care, right? That doesn't matter. But he's outraged about the one thing he's allowed to be outraged about, right? But it says a dual U.S. U.K. citizen. He completed both his undergraduate and graduate degrees in London. Now, I mean, look right here, guys. I'm not saying he's not a citizen. He's an American if he has U.S. citizenship. But doesn't that seem to be a little bit of a misrepresentation? Sort of like that person that was killed in the Iran attack before, not the one we're gonna, not the one recently, but the one before where they immediately came hot out of the game. American was killed in Iraq or in Iraq. And then it was quietly sort of walked back. Was, well, he wasn't even a citizen, but he didn't live there and he didn't really work there. And he, okay. So you wanted us to think it was an American, either a military personnel or somebody on the ground when it was really a foreign journalist who had U.S. citizenship. It's very different, right? So my point here is, yes, this guy worked for Fox. I'm not trying to diminish that he was an American citizen, but just recognize how will, how they just choose to misrepresent it in the way they want to. This is a dual U.S.-U.K. citizen who didn't even live in the United States. He lived in London. So you could argue that he was a, a, a British Fox journalist more than anything else that also had U.S. citizenship. I'm just saying it's pathetic how clearly they want to manipulate you. 
Now we should ask whether there was more involved than just what they tell you happened. Now, in regard to the location and what happened here, it could be either, guys. This could be that Russian was shelling areas they didn't know there were journalists in, or it could be they were aiming for them. I don't just, I just don't think that makes sense personally. On the other side of it, we know that the Ukrainian government has been aiming at journalists since long before this started, and I'll prove it to you next. So could they have done this? Yes, and I don't know why we wouldn't ask that. But here's the next part. The attack, which killed this person and the Ukrainian journalist, follows the deaths of the son of the journalist who was shot and killed in the town of Irpin. Exactly. Which they're still arguing was Russian, even though that's not under control of Russian people. Or rather, Russian government. Now, according to this person on the ground, the Ukrainian parliament's human rights chief, who's who we're talking about, at least two other Ukrainian journalists have also been killed. I don't know why we would take that at face value. Okay, now going forward, Fox cameramen killed amid the attack in Ukraine. Now, this was one of the places that always refreshes, so I clipped this so I wouldn't forget what I was looking at here. So first of all, recognize that even the Hill, Western press, mainstream propaganda are telling you it is not clear who fired on the vehicle. Okay, so explain that to me. How everyone in the Western press has already decided this was a Russian attack, even though it's not clear who fired. Their assumption is that this happened, therefore it must be Russia, because we know Ukraine good guy democracy, right? That's the stupid argument. This is where their arguments come from. They've already decided. If they don't know who fired, they don't know who fired. Fox did not provide an update. The other one was, excuse me, I hiccups all of a sudden. It says, I'll just go to it on here. CNN reported that Anton Gurashenko, an advisor to the Ukrainian interior of the ministry, hopefully you already remember why that's important, has said that the Ukrainian journalist they're pointing to was also killed during the incident. Okay, so now we've got a we have a a a, a London-based Fox News journalist with American citizenship that was apparently killed by what they claim was was what they don't even know. Of course, the Ukrainian government is screaming how it was obviously Russia. But what's interesting, though, is the only reason we know about the Ukrainian journalist in this is that the interior of the ministry spoke up and said, well, she was also killed in that incident you're talking about. Hmm, that's suspicious. <laughs> and it also says a senior field producer said the tweet on Tuesday that the Ukrainian journalist, quote, worked with our team for the past month and did a brilliant job. Okay, so there's where you get the the manipulative point of two you Fox News journalists, which is not even remotely true. It's a it's a stretch of the truth at the best, which is what they're known for. But the point, going back to this, is okay. So the idea is they don't know, and it's the interior of the ministry who is speaking up on behalf of what this is. Well, okay. Let's go back to this point. This is from January 5th, 2022. That's pink background. I'm starting to think this is Brave Browser, to be quite honest, in some ways, why all these videos are acting funny. Interesting. Anyway, this is the expert speaking with Newsweek before this all kicked off. Since the, it says it right here, by the way, uh, investigative journalist, Kuzmenko is among the leading figures discussing the Azov Battalion and what's going on in Ukraine. He says, since the 2014 Maiden Revolution, which we just proved to you, was carried out by U.S.-backed forces, the government, military, and security forces have institutionalized in its ranks former militias and volunteer battalions directly linked to the neo-Nazi ideology. Without screening for extremists, 
Their integration has simply has not led to a depolitization and or dissolution of this problem. In fact, as Ritter put it, they made sure they were placed in every single leading position. Fact. He cites as prominent examples the Azov Special Operations Detachment, or known as the Battalion or the Regiment. We know this, and it's the same group that's right now, as we just showed you, arming people on the ground. Training them, in fact, and the U.S. government knows that they don't care. The Azov Battalion. Now it says he cites, oh, uh, he cites as a pro- prominent example them, and he goes to say that they've established by the, it was established in the very beginning by who? The Ukrainian Ministry of the Interior. Don't miss this because this is important. Right now, these are the people that are leading this manipulation. Whoever's being built and funded and armed by the CIA, the people that met with McCain, met with Graham, these are the ones from the beginning that are manipulating the situation. You don't remember that. I'm not going to play it all, but the important thing is to remember that they were there speaking to them long before this ever started. Ah, I won't go play the clip. You have shown you McCain and them speaking to them. But he goes on to make the point. The interior of the ministry established it. They were later transferred to the National Guard. He calls the regiment a highly capable and heavily armed unit, reportedly numbering back 111, 111, 1100. But this has changed, obviously, based on the growth since 2014. But he goes on to say, this is my point from before, that the movement has gone international with multiple fronts in Germany's neo-Nazi third part path and America's rise above movement. That's the movement they try to pretend is driven by Trump even though it ties directly back to the group that they are funding. It's undeniably clear. The interior of the ministry is that the leader was the one who spoke up and said, that's the she's the one that got killed. And that's all it took. Well, let's go back to 2016. During the time when this was, this would have been Poroshenko and it would have been the leader of of the puppet government put in place by the U.S. government. And this only got worse under Zelensky. I've already shown this in past shows. Three journalists attacked in July. This is the Atlantic Council under the U.S. puppet regime. Here's what it says. You've seen this before. On July 20th, investigative journalist Pavel Shermet was assassinated in Kiev. His death is merely the most dramatic example of the steady deterioration of press freedom in Ukraine in recent months that only continues to right now. One day before the murder, Maria Rangdov, the editor of Forbes Ukraine, was stabbed three times in the center of Kiev. She had been walking in the park at Kiev, excuse me, the, the Polytechnic Institute. The other one was the center. Fortunately, her injuries were only minor. This is the one that I thought was crazy. On the 25th of July, the head of the business censor, uh, Sergei, the Sergei something last name, was beaten in a well-to-do podlive section of Kiev by two men who took nothing from him. Another one? A reporter from the New New Time magazine who often writes about Ukraine's oligarchs said she had received multiple death threats. No charge has been brought against the suspects. Prosecutor Lutsenko stated that he had opened a case against uh, Troyanov, the first deputy head of the Ukrainian National Guard. Police, excuse me, who was tied to Azov Battalion. Now, the head of the National Police said that they were going to question him when he got back. However, the common boss of the Ministry of Interior, Arsen Avakov, claimed that these suspicions against Troynov were out without merit. And that's where it stopped. Critics have accused the government of harassing and trying to silence Nelson journalists over the past several months. This is the U.S.-backed government. April 26th, the Ukrainian government banned the country's top television host under the U.S.-backed government, the same government that's there right now. This is a Canadian national. Some have speculated that Shuster may have annoyed President Poroshenko, who was a puppet of the U.S. government. That's all it takes. In May, Ukrainian hackers, seem familiar? 
lead leaked the names of contact details of more than 4,500 journalists, cameramen, producers, stringers, translators, drivers who worked in the area under the control of the Donbass region. So the same Ukrainian hackers they're using now in the same exact way. But apparently this is fake and that one's real, except it doesn't make sense when you call them out for what they're really doing because they're only fighting for freedom. This is what it looks like to bend over backwards, mental gymnastics, to sell you something that doesn't make sense. These are the same people doing the same terrible things they were calling out then, but now the BBC pretends like it's totally kind of acceptable while arguing that Russia's kind of doing it, though we can't prove it, though. How, this is the same thing, doing the same, same illegal and terrible, unjustified actions against individuals. These journalists worked for places like Reuters, BBC. So BBC doesn't even care. They were being attacked by these same people, and now they're laying shade for them because they're disgusting. French press agency, Al Jazeera, Human Rights Watch called them out themselves. The website on which the leak appeared, showing their personal details, was co-founded by a member of parliament and an advisor to you Ukrainian ministry. Excuse me, Ukrainian interior of minister, Arsen Avakov. Avakov praised the publication of the list and blamed the journalist for registering with the separatists, right? It's your fault for covering what they have to say on the ground. That's what's happening today too, guys. The leak was condemned by journalists and rights people alike back then, but now they're going to do it again. And they're going to support it. Why does one make sense? And now it's the same thing. The narrative changed. That's all that happened. On May 24th, they released a second list that included the home addresses of 239 Ukrainian and international journalists working in Russia. Why? Because they're reporting what they don't want reported. Journalists in Ukraine are counting on the West to draw attention to the uptick in violence. The, the journalists were saying in 2016, guess what? Nothing happened. Quote, if Ukraine's leaders are serious about press freedom, they're not. They will move quickly to solve this case. They didn't. And bring to justice those responsible for silencing Sheremet's powerful journalistic voice. They didn't. They shut it away. They didn't care about it. And they're here today. Same people. In fact, all they did was remove him and put another leader in place. When I say him, who are we talking about? Oh, this guy right here, this very clear extremist, Arsen Avakov, Ukrainian interior minister with close ties to the far right, resigns. Oh, weird, July 2021. Why did you do that? Well, because this guy was getting spotlighted because he was a neo-Nazi. Ukraine's interior minister, minister at the time, who, remember, in the beginning was exactly who started the Azov Battalion, which is now everywhere throughout the ranks who is notorious for his ties to neo-Nazis. Same thing, guys. It's the same group. He was going, yeah, call them out. Expose where they live. Attack them. They supported it then. They support it now. For no reason, he's resigned. They never found out why. You know why? Because everything shifted, guys. Because this guy was a problem. Now they put in place another person who has the exact same problem. They just pretend this guy, this was the same person. So if this was the beginning of the Azov Battalion, this guy's leading the, uh, the, the interior of the ministry all the way up until July 22nd, 2021. But meanwhile, they were, uh, this time, they were still killing people in Donbass. They were still claiming Russia was about to invade. <clears throat> that didn't get to happen all the way until 2022. But the same thing was happening. I've proven it to you. This guy was in power. Under Zelensky. They quietly put him aside because they knew this was about to kick off. These people are bad and your government happily supports them. Now, this is an interesting point, right? As they're trying to hide from you all that's been going on, don't forget about the diplomat that was killed outside the courthouse. Now, take a note that when you search for just plainly Ukraine diplomat killed outside courthouse, nothing comes up. 
humanitarian disaster in Ukraine grows. Really? That's the first thing to come up? That Russia bad guy and Ukraine's in suffering? Do please recognize how completely controlled the Google search is. It's pathetic. Now you won't find it unless you do out, out of your, you find other ways to find it, guys. Now the SBU has in fact, even according to Interfax, killed a, a member of the Ukrainian delegation because they called him a spy. Suspicion of treason. They didn't prove it. They said, we think you're a spy. We shot you in the back of the head. But they patched up and treated Russian POWs though, right? Come on. It's openly discussed. The SBU is the, the security service that's directly tied to the Azov Battalion, which is also directly tied to everything else we talked about. The groups here and all the false flag manipulations we've already talked about. Here is India's news saying the same thing. Ukraine delegation members shot dead for being Russian spy. They never proved that. That's him right there. So we're going to pretend they wouldn't attack journalists who are reporting the truth about things like this? These are extremists, guys. They're being paid to be extremists. So when they're telling you that Ukraine has a problem with killing journalists, the same government, and we watch them assassinate somebody because they think he might be something, why can't we take a step back? The same interior of the ministry that they were part of. Why can't we take a step back and go, were these people killed by Russia? They don't even know who fired, but they're saying that. Or the guy before, when we know for a fact that the area he got shot in and the checkpoints the other guy said were shooting weren't controlled by Russia. We're watching Wag the Dog on, on steroids right now. It's crazy. Now, I, again, I don't, I don't believe what Russia says out of the gate either. I do my due diligence. Because they're lying about a lot of stuff right now. All of them are. But back to the chemical attack that, that Vanessa was talking about in the beginning. U.S., Ukrainian officials brace for possible attack. Every Western outlet is saying this. Why? Because Putin's playbook. And that's how they report it. They're bracing for possible attack. It says, right, just like we just showed you, it says right here, a Pentagon spokesperson himself has said, quote, the U.S. has not seen anything, anything that indicates some sort of eminent chemical or biological attack. Anything, not a single thing. But because we know that Russia does bad guy stuff, then well, then there you go. Then we're bracing for something we have zero evidence for. That's when Caitlin just made a... a, a clown show of their stupid reporting secret people reporting secret things that we can't prove this is pathetic i mean i'm so tired of anybody taking this seriously and that's not to suggest that they aren't possibly doing that i'm saying to take the reporting seriously it's just a choice and they know that and they are playing into it playing you like a fiddle now we already discussed this Witness on the ground on March 11th in Donbass telling you we visibly watched the Ukrainian army fake an event. We watched them bring Russian Russian clothing. We watched them bring Russian rations. We watched them sabotage a Russian vehicle. We watched them leave it. We watched them fire on their own village. We watched it. Could he be lying? Could she be lying? Yes, of course. But you should watch this for yourself and recognize that it's very clear what she said, and by the way, it was in the town we just discussed, Volnovaka, uh, which, by the way, they just discussed, which he now, the Russians now have, now have control of. My point being, on March 11th, when she's saying that happened, they did not have control of it because 
it was under the control of the Ukrainian army. And that's what she's saying. Why would they fire on a village they had control of? Because they're faking these events and blaming it on Russia and the Western press is happily reporting it without due diligence. Finally, still going three hours, damn it. <laughs> Finally, this is the important part to end with, guys. Yes, coming from RT. So it's probably going to be dismissed without due diligence, except the fact that it's being reported by RT. It's being stated by, uh, shoot, I'm blanking on the, I don't want to look, so I want to remember, um, Pisa, Pisa in Italy. They're reporting, oh, it's right there in front of me. They're reporting that they've stopped weapons that were disguised as humanitarian aid. Now, I actually tried really hard to find the exact website of Pisa. Please help me find this stuff. But I have seen this confirmed from multiple sources. Even then, I'm still willing to say, that who knows, there could be manipulation happening here. This is quite different than one anonymous source, absolute fact, mainstream media reporting, isn't it? Because we're actually journalists over here where they're just simply propaganda posing as journalists. But it says weapons disguised as humanitarian aid secretly heading to Ukraine from Italy. Now, could this be a lie? Of course it could. But you know what it does look exactly like? A hundred other things that have verifiably happened at the behest of the U.S. government. Now, would Russia do this? I have no doubt. Would they fake it to blame U.S. and have some... Of course, they'd be probably, probably, probably smart, actually. Seems like a pretty smart manipulation, doesn't it? But we should need evidence to make that allegation. What we have so far is PISA International Airport right now refusing to load, quote, humanitarian aid onto the planes headed toward where? Poland. Poland. And then Ukraine. So the question first comes, where is this coming from? And why are they routing it from Italy to Poland to Ukraine? As they reported, they contained weapons and they stopped it. The workers allege the crates are supposed to carry food, medicines, and other supplies to civilian populations by convoy from Poland, but they're instead filled with weapons, ammo, and explosives. Could this be the, the beginning of a false flag? Could this be explosives that are more than just explosives? Yes, absolutely. The workers' union in peace is apparently demanding air traffic control deny these flights take off and is asking citizens to protest the flights of death outside the report on March 19th. This is just a gab post on RT. Well, here's TASS as well, of course, also coming from Russian-controlled media, so you should question it, but like you would question anything, hopefully, if you're being smart, this is today. A protest action was announced at the airport of PISA against sending military cargo to Ukraine. Now we got protest. I mean, guys, the point is we need to recognize that there's every reason right now to be objective as possible for us to entertain whether this is happening. And I promise you, there will be more coming out of this. Now, I'm holding back on a couple things because I don't want to just say that I trust what somebody else is telling me from where I'm looking on the ground in the places. But I'm going to report more on this because I'm pretty certain that this is happening. That's my opinion based on other things that I'm going to report on more. But my point nonetheless is that I shouldn't even said that. My point nonetheless is that this is happening and being reported by two different locations. And you should have the discernment to ask it's possible. Question it. A protest action was announced at the airport of Pisa against sending military cargo to Ukraine. According to the trade union received from airport workers, instead of humanitarian goods for Ukraine population, there were various types of weapons in the boxes. Says, and this is a direct quote, TASS is claiming is coming directly from the piece of ground, the ground and the airport civilians. Quote, firstly, we are generally opposed to sending weapons to Ukraine, but this is also related to safety measures. Our airport is civilian. It's impossible to send military cargo from here. The representative of the trade union explained. She also pointed out that no reaction or response from the authorities has yet followed. 
the union explained that the airport named after Galileo, uh, Galileo Galilei is located near the military airfield. According to the trade union received from airport workers, instead of humanitarian goods, we just read is basically weapons, uniforms, and explosives. Now I'm very interested to see what kind of uniforms and what kind of explosives the trade union demands to immediately block the goods disguised as humanitarian aid. Now, what I find interesting here, guys, is, of course, it's likely this is completely made up. But I got to be honest, I don't even see Western press like directly quote people and then have that completely manufactured. It might be from a CIA cutout or somebody on the ground they control. But it's interesting, Tass is directly quoting somebody that's going to be hard to like, I'm going to be able to find out for sure whether this happened. (laughs) This is a direct quote from a direct location and a direct group on the ground. Kind of different than what you're seeing. That's all I'm saying from one side of this narrative where I believe this is actually, we're going to follow up on this. We're going to either be able to prove that the trade union didn't say this or they did. And my point is that's not what's happening from one side of this. Then when we can prove that it is indeed happening, we need to ask why the secrecy? Why are they quietly doing this when they're openly talking about arming them? Well, it's because in my opinion, where it was trying to go to Poland. You know why? Because I believe there's an effort to make Poland be the catalyst to drive NATO into this war. Here's what New York Times is saying. Apparently, NATO countries are pouring weapons into Ukraine, risking conflict with Russia. Brussels is proud to be providing military aid, but Moscow may see it as a dangerous intervention. You think? May? Come on, New York Times. That's pathetic. At least be honest. It's not Moscow has stated a thousand times over. This is not just a dangerous intervention. It's a huge red line. So too are a thousand things they've openly done knowing their red lines and then acted surprised when Russia takes action. It's ridiculous. But to, to wrap this up quickly, guys, the point is these things are being filtered through Poland to a large degree. This is openly showing they're sending them to Poland through there. We also know that that was the same little dynamic that Paskey got stuck with, talking about how, oh, they may come from a a plane or or, or aircraft carrier, so we'll make sure it's not from us. How stupid are you? Just because you send them from a jet or or from an aircraft carrier, are we going to pretend Russia doesn't know that comes from you? That's just, they're trying to make it sound like that makes it different, even though they know it doesn't. So when Russia acts out, they can go, we told you it wasn't us. No, you didn't. You pretended it wasn't because you went on an aircraft carrier. That's childish. That's what they do. But here is what's actually happening. Picture it, right? Picture it. Proving it to you. Not because it's pictured, it's proving it, but it is what's happening. And you can prove this a lot of different ways. U.S. Patriot missile launchers have now been installed at Polish airports. Just 50 miles from Ukraine. With surface-to-air defense systems pointed east after being flown by American military. Okay, so pointed directly at the front lines, pointed to the Donbass region. Is that, how in the world is that not supposed to absolutely drive Russia to action? If this was in Mexico aimed at the border of the United States, are we going to pretend that they wouldn't care? If this was in Cuba aimed at Florida, are we going to, I mean, for crying out loud, that was literally the Cuban Missile Crisis. Are we going to pretend like this doesn't matter? Good God, this is just childish. This is the whole thing. Everybody everywhere knows this is a huge red line. 
Half of the party paradigm pretends it doesn't matter. And we go, la, 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 I don't see it because we hate Russia. And we're going to pretend like it's not a red line. We're going to pretend like it's Russia outrageously taking out of context our defense measures. Like, this is, it's childish. This is a huge violation of their everything. This, if it was done in reverse, would be war already. We'll see what Russia does. My guess, they're going to do something. And it's going to be used as the justification for why NATO enters this war or the manufactured problem that they've been driving, driving from for eight years ago to now. Then ask when we know this kind of stuff happens and they get caught accused of sending these kind of things through Poland. When I think that this is much more than just ammo and explosives, something a little more provocative, secretly trying to be shuttled in. And we know they've already set up missile launchers right aimed at, basically aimed at Russia. Come on. The point is, the U.S. has already stated, long before this was even seemingly on the table, setting the narrative, as they always do, if, if, if Russia hits Poland for no reason until now it's been explained why they have a reason, well, the full force of NATO would respond. Why did you feel the need to say that before? Well, because they were setting the table, guys. Period. Now we've given them a reason to respond. So now when they respond, we can say, well, we told you they were going to do something except they leave out the part where they took an action that drove them to take that action. Problem, reaction, solution. It's just sad how we are being driven into a conflict, acting like we're the right side of things while we are arming the villain, as every other time before, if you're honest with yourself. And finally, when we're talking about villains and things like Dr. Ishii and the manipulations on the ground, well, let's take a note. I mean, this is my crossover into COVID, which we'll get into in the next show. And I'm going to come back to this exact article. From DC Weekly, which I'm not familiar with. But get get this, guys. Four months ago. Four months ago, he writes this, before this all started. At least in the, the current problem. Big Pharma using Ukrainian citizens as disposable lab rats. Well done, Jeffrey Bloom. You were way ahead of this narrative. Calling out what they were doing in biolabs that didn't exist up until Newland admitted them. Well, look at that. Four months ago. Here's what it says. Desperate Ukrainian citizens being used as lab rats by Ukrainian pharmaceutical companies. Right. This is the freedom country for democracy, though you won't hear it from the mainstream media. In recent years, Ukraine has become a testing ground for American pharmaceutical co corporations. And now big pharma is testing anti-COVID pills on Ukrainians. Now, I ask you to be critical of this like anything else. I just find the timing of this being reported and now admitted after the fact that there are these labs doing so-called research. Isn't that interesting? And I already proved to you that these labs were doing and administering COVID-related. I've proven this to you on the, on the show where we went through it. The Kharkiv location that I made the focus on where I proved that it was funded by the Department of Defense and that they conducted research there, that they also discussed COVID-19-related action. And here we are. This all is coming together in a really interesting way. The pandemic of COVID-19 that has swept that country has only increased the scale of these medical experiments. We're going to come back to this. Four months before this started. Finally, China is saying we demand full accounts of U.S. biomilitary activities in Ukraine. Well, good. We all should. Just because China says it doesn't mean you should dismiss it, except that's what people like this guy below will do. Well, China, they say, well, fuck, it goes. China foreign ministry claims the U.S. responses are self-contradictory and confusing because they are. If you take that as me supporting China, you're a child. They are, they're ridiculously lying to you. Guess what? So is China about a lot of stuff. Could be about this too. The point is, as they point out here, this guy says, well, why don't you ask about the 600 labs in the UK? 
it's 2020. They're everywhere. And it's normal. Well, no, that's how you believe is the case now because you've been propagandized into thinking the opposite of what they're saying is the truth. I don't know why in the world you think 600 biomanipulation labs in the UK is normal. Of course, we should be concerned about the 600 labs conducting bio research in your backyard. That's something we've already reported. But your tunnel vision only allows you to think we're only concerned about one of them. It's not even remotely what it says. But that's how they take it because they're assumption, they're assumers. They're title skimming assumers. It's what they do. Of course, I'm doing that to him right now. But at the same point, the reality is it's everywhere. And that's hugely concerning. And all of them are being framed as defense. And when they don't want to be defense, they on the bad guy side, well, now they're weapons. They're dual use, guys. And as this person points out, well, the UK is not a war zone, you stupid idiot. <laughs> exactly. The point is, guys, it's obvious that there's a problem here. And they already admitted there's a problem here. And they're trying to hide that from you. Now, we will get to COVID in the next show, I promise you. But as Anonymous Patriot pointed out, exactly as I think. So you mean to tell me that COVID, simultaneously, in every country across the planet, after the variants that seemed to only pop up during Thanksgiving and Christmas, after an entire summer of pregnant women apparently getting sick and dying nonstop, has all of a sudden subsided everywhere in perfect synchronicity? And that is, and it just so happens to be or occurring during the 2022 midterms in the U.S., right when geopolitical unrest and economic uncertainty is on the rise? Ah, must be a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Certainly could be. The point here is this is ridiculous. It's like a dot on it. It's like they pressed the button for Ukraine and suddenly it's sort of like I pointed out before. All of a sudden, hey, we got Kim Jong-un firing missiles again. Hey, look, ISIS claimed an attack over there. It's weird. They've been deathly quiet for two and a half years. How childish do we have to be? Either they only cared to point at it and it was happening after they needed it, which means they didn't care about it when it didn't want to point at it, or they weren't happening before and they're making them happen now. It's pretty clear. The point is, guys simultaneously across every country, just like it started on a dime. That is the ex world embodiment of a world conspiracy, even if you think it really happened, because the narrative shifted when they told it to shift. How do we not see that? Even if you believe everything, even if everything you think about is true, they still, on a dime, started talking about Ukraine. I mean, it's, we just need to be honest with ourselves about how obvious this all is. So three and ten, three hours, ten minutes. I'll leave you. I'll leave you with that. Uh, it's it's all the freezing and everything else today, but nonetheless, it's my intention to get these things a little more broken down, just because I think it's important that we reach more people. But I am incapable of not talking about what I find to be the most important. As I said in the beginning, most of the COVID stuff, you'll find almost all of it. To be quite honest, you'll find that we've already reported. That's not to say it's not important. It's important to show you that they're admitting what we were right, as well as the point that it may just bring more people over to the understanding that we've all, that this is information that's always been there. But I found it more important to, to prove to you some of the things that are still being manipulated in real time. Oh, I'll see you shortly, hopefully tomorrow. I love you all. Stay the course, guys. Do not lose faith in the fact that you are on the right side of history. I mean that. I love you all, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.